Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No, because I'm going to get him. Hello and welcome to this Wednesday, June 6, 2018 edition of the Hagman Report. So glad to be here tonight. we got a great show lined up for you. We're going to be joined by guests throughout the whole show. We have the first hour, Gons Shimerna. He's coming on. He has the YouTube channel, Face Like the Sun. Absolutely one of my favorite YouTube channels uh, that I, I've been watching constantly, as he has all, all kinds of great content. And we're going to talk about some of the stuff he talks about about the uh, prophetic nature of what we're seeing happen in our world today. Then we are going to be joined at 8 o'clock by Alicia Powell. She is a, a journalist and an author on the Gateway Pundit, and she's going to be coming on to talk about the story that was in Tucson, Arizona with Craig Sawyer, as well as some of the other stuff she's working on. Then we have a debut guest, Jonathan Hollerman, and this is going to be a, a very interesting segment. His website is grindingdownconsulting.com. He's the author of the EMP series. Grid Down. Grid Down, I'm sorry. Grid Down. Uh, he's the author of the EMP series. And then taking us out in the last hour is Pastor Casper McLeod. And he's a fellow that we've met a number of times and is a, a great guest, <clears throat> has so much insight and uh, a lot of stuff to get into with him as he also was in the entertainment and music industry at some of the highest levels before he made his conversion to Christianity and as a pastor. So awesome show lined up for you, as I said, and with the news. What is in the news today that is important? Well, <clears throat> there's a few things that we see in the world of politics that are going on. One of these things I find very interesting is what the Department of Justice Inspector General is saying uh, is going to be coming out in this report now, we have reports that Andrew McCabe is seeking an immunity deal for fear of prosecution. Also, we have the Department of Justice watchdog finds James Comey defied authority as FBI director. And this is the uh, internal watchdog has concluded that James Comey defied authority at times during his tenure as the FBI director, according to sources familiar with the draft of the report on the matter. This is all uh, from the IG report that is going to be coming out on Monday. One source told ABC News that the draft report explicitly used the word insubordinate to describe Comey's behavior. Another source agreed with that characterization but could not confirm the use of the term. Either way, the report's going to be coming out Monday detailing uh, the investigation, the handling of the investigation into the Hillary Clinton email scandal by the FBI. So we are looking forward to that. And we see that uh, there are uh, a number of stories out there about Manafort. And there's one that's interesting, Paul Manafort tampering witness tampering allegations. Apparently, there's not much evidence there. And that's an interesting read that is up on the Drudge Report. Now, uh, again, we're going to have our first guest, Gon Shimerna, on in just a few moments. And if you check out his YouTube channel, Face Like the Sun, there is a whole bunch of awesome content up there. And this, he deals with stuff from current events to uh, Bible prophecy and everything in between. You know, AI, the uh, mark of the beast, 
and, and any subject in between. And we're going to see what is on his mind tonight. And I got a number of questions, but I would urge everybody when you get some time, go to subscribe to his channel and check out some of the videos. One of the first videos of his that I've watched was a documentary titled Age of Deceit. And that is well worth the, uh, the time, the hour, hour and a half, however long it is to, to, uh, watch. And it, it's a great place to start. But, John, uh, you're co-hosting with me tonight and through the rest of the week. We had a, a great daily show today. Stephen Menking was on with us, and I'm going to be putting that one up on YouTube. But uh, what do you want to get into tonight as far as what, what's on the radar as far as news? Do you see anything out there that you want to talk about? I know on the daily show we talked about uh, Dennis Rodman and the, the pos- <laughs> possibility that he's working knowingly or unknowingly with the CIA and how the CIA uses celebrities, uses the Hollywood and, and media entertainment industry to promote their agenda. And we went and covered stories of how in depth of the coverage that they or how much influence that they have in these industries, uh thousands, tens of thousands of movies and T V shows that they have uh, directly had influence in and had promoted their own agendas through. So, Dennis Rodman, is he a CIA asset? He's definitely not an agent. Is he an asset? That's the question we opened with on the Daily Show today. Well, it, it's and it's a good question indeed. Uh, greetings and uh, God's blessings to everyone. Uh, and it's uh, certainly a pleasure to sit in here this evening for Doug Hagman. Uh, and I would encourage our listeners and, and viewers, please uh, keep Doug in your prayers. Uh, Joe, you mentioned last night he's been feeling a little under the weather. Uh, yeah. And so whereas it's a, a, an honor to sit in, it's also uh, a little bit rueful because I want Doug to feel better. So that being said, uh, uh, join us uh, uh, in archive on the Hagman Daily Show today, uh, June 6, 2018. We got in for the first half hour to the, the strange uh, but very real alliance between uh, Hollywood and not only the CIA but the mm-hmm. NSA. We talked a little bit about the church committee and uh, those hearings back in 1974. But quickly, Joe, I just want to uh, give a tip of the hat and a sincere thank you to uh, all of the veterans uh, that are still with us from World War II. Uh, today is, in fact, the 74th anniversary of D-Day. And when we talked about Robert Kennedy last night, it was interesting, Joe, because June 5th, 6th is always the commemoration of Robert Kennedy's death. Interestingly, June fifth, sixth yeah. is always the D Day issue as well because the oh, D Day yeah, yeah. invasion was originally scheduled for June fifth, and they had a they had an all night meeting uh, in England, all of the chiefs of staff, etc., and they discussed is the weather going to break? Will we be able to get onto the beach because there was huge storms across the Channel? And they literally prayed to Almighty God that night. And there was about a seven-hour break in the weather that enabled uh, 300,000-plus Allied forces to get on shore. And I've always felt like God enabled that to happen. So 74th anniversary of D-Day today. Take a few moments, uh, listeners and viewers. Even if you feel like you know a lot about D-Day, it is such a massive story. It's such a pivotal moment in the history of humanity. There's always new stuff to find. Yeah, and thanks for bringing that up. I, I forgot that uh, this was also the anniversary uh, for D-Day. We have our first guest with us, Gons Shimerna. YouTube is Face Like the Sun. Also, you can follow him on Twitter, at Face Like the Sun. Gons, i got to uh, say first, right off the bat, as I said to you privately, your YouTube channel is uh, now probably one of my favorite, if not my, my most favorite YouTube channel uh, to watch. you got awesome content. 
and it's it's full with uh you know stuff that is is currently happening bible prophecy related to current events that are happening and unfolding in our world and i just want to uh tell you it's a it's a great job it's it's very important what you do and uh we appreciate you you coming on tonight um i gotta ask you first and foremost though internet censorship this seems to be an issue everybody in the alternative media and uh, especially christians in the alternative media are dealing with have you been affected by the youtube censorship in any way uh, yeah, actually, um, well, first off, I appreciate your uh, kind words there and the, the encouraging words. And uh, I know we got to meet in person a couple years ago. Yeah. And uh, so it's great to have uh, to be on here. I appreciate you inviting me on. Um, in terms of the the censorship, yeah, I mean, uh, the demonetization of videos started happening. I mean, years ago. It's not something new for people that have been publishing content online. Um, different battles over the years from. Uh, you know, basic copyright stuff to with uh, uh, Creative Commons and uh, the general YouTube license and stuff like that. But it, nowadays, it's it's a lot more blatant when it comes to certain types of uh, conservative views and things like that that are being censored. And so uh, I, I've been hit a little bit with monetization, but I've tried to uh, play the game a little bit. To um, for example. My uh, YouTube channel is listed under entertainment as a, as a channel subject instead of news and politics or something like that. So uh, little things like that. There's little tricks you can do to to stay alive. I've tried to keep the YouTube thing going, but I understand um, you know that the the exodus has started to happen and everyone's sort of looking for a place to to regather and re uh, reestablish a sort of uh, you know a free platform. And the beauty of that YouTube is reaching out to so many people. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think all of us, especially with conservative-leaning voices, have uh, experienced some sort of censorship, uh, especially on YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. We we all seem to uh, be seeing different levels. Some people having their channels completely deleted. Uh, others, you know, getting copyright strikes and other uh, community service violations for no apparent reason than YouTube going back years uh, and years to find those or, or to use those as an excuse to, to censor people. And it's really unfortunate that we we have this uh, battle that we are fighting in the media, not only against the mainstream media with their lies and deception, but we can't even get our message out there because it is being censored. And that just tells us, you know, the effect that we are having. Uh, but if they have to censor us, obviously there is a, a noticeable change or a noticeable difference that, that is happening, and that's the reason for the censorship, a positive effect. But I want to ask you this, Gons. The, you, you cover a lot of content, a lot of stuff about the technology as we see you know, the rise of the AI-type systems, uh, you know, the 5G network. What's one of the – what's the topic that you cover that you get the most response from when you when you put the put a video up? Um, well, I would have to say that the type of videos that probably get the most attention are not my favorite type of videos to make um, because they they usually involve some kind of – I wouldn't say a prediction, but they'll they'll involve some sort of projection into the future um, or near future. Uh, but at the same time, um, I, I, the topic that I love the most in terms of covering uh, is transhumanism, the one I've been most passionate about, because as soon as I became a believer, and I think the seeds were planted before I was even saved and became a Christian, um, with just the culture that I grew up in, in Southern California, being a second-generation Japanese American, having all the ties and, and you know knowing about anime and all that stuff before everybody else did in America and all that stuff. Um, so culturally and and just uh, in terms of what was uh, happening technologically, um, I know our generation 
uh, we, I always talk about it with Basil, my co-host for Canary Cry Radio and Canary Cry News Talk, that we're probably the last generation to know a world before computers and the internet and all that. You know, my childhood, yeah. through the age of probably 10 or 11 or so, was pretty computer-free. You know, there was television, obviously, so yes, we were immersed in our televisions, and some, some people had video game consoles and stuff like that, but um, in terms of the availability and the access and everything else, I mean, it's it's a completely different world now. Uh, so, you know, the kind of things that it's doing to us psychologically um, and as a society, uh, people know it's unhealthy for them, yet we're, we're so immersed in it, and we, you know, obviously there's a level of uh, uh, perceived hypocrisy if we're, like, on the computer all the time, but my point in trying to spend time on the computer is like, hey, I'm trying to point people and lead people to Christ because if I'm going to be using the computer, I want to be doing something productive and doing something that's going to be worthwhile for the kingdom. Um, and in, in the meantime, also spread information, warning people, uh, being the modern watchman to really, you know, let people know like, hey, this is kind of the stuff that's happening. And, um, you know, whether you believe it full, you know, wholeheartedly or not, it does sound eerily like the things prophesied in the Bible. So uh, just giving people a heads up and allowing people to think um, outside of their box, and, and, you know, that's our motto on Canary Cry Radio, think outside the cage, and um, you know, just kind of sticking with that principle and examining different topics. But transhumanism really has been my favorite topic to cover uh, because the implications are so, you know, huge in terms of humanity. Even if you're not a Christian, uh, we're talking about, you know, different kinds of uh, different ways in which... Uh, human beings will be built in, in the yeah. future. And um, that's obviously going to change us psychologically, uh, societally, uh, politically, uh, everything, militarily, with education. Everything is going to change with, with the advent of technology and science. So, um, And not that all change is evil or bad. Um, it's the conversation that needs to be had that, hey, we need to we need to really be aware of what's happening because we're already so not aware that Things like Facebook, things like, you know, some of these big companies, they get hacked and all of our information is out there. You know, it's, 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 it's spread across the internet, across the dark web. I'm sure if people wanted to look for certain types of information based on anybody, especially in America, they can do that now. Um, so, you know, what do we do with the types of technologies that's available to us? Well, you know, maybe we can build something that's a little more resilient, a little more in line with perhaps libertarian or conservative thought. I mean, there's all kinds of things that can happen, but in terms of the bigger picture, um, that's what I've been always trying to to uh, show people and sort of reflect on people to to start, you know, thinking about the world and not just like, hey, what's happening right in front of them, but the bigger picture of where we've been, where we are now, and how different our time is and how unique the times we're living in now. Because, you know, uh, you I mentioned this in the video I just published today, but you talk about some of the technologies and projects that are happening. You try to explain this to somebody 100 years ago, 200, 300 years ago. It, it's a completely different world. They would they would they would think you're lying or making it up or telling fairy tales, you know. So uh, we do live in a very unique and strange time, and I think it's important for us, especially believers in the church, to have a full grasp of what's happening and then also tie it back to prophecy, tie it back to the Word of God, because hey, the Word of God speaks to every generation, and it seems to have a pretty uh, deep uh, resonance with some of the prophetic or eschatological passages in the Bible. So that, that's what really gets me pumped up. Yeah, it gets us pumped up, too. Uh, our guest, for those just joining us, is is Gans. I believe it, it's Shimura, correct, Gans? Yeah. Okay, thank you so much for that. Gans Shimura, 
uh, big time, uh, success on YouTube and, and much like Joe, uh, by the way, John Robertson sitting in for Doug Hagman this evening. And, uh, I've enjoyed your work now for a number of years. And uh, again, like Joe, I love the, the, the versimilitude and the, the depth in the landscape of all the different topics that you cover. And Joe's got a great, uh, road, a great map, uh, spread out on and on the desk literally here for us to follow this evening. But I just wanted to welcome you to the program and, uh, remind our listeners and viewers, uh, you have a, a show, correct? And that's on canarycrynewstalk.com. Yeah, we've had the podcast Canary Cry Radio uh, since 2012, and uh, the the sort of branch off, the spinoff of it has been Canary Cry News Talk. And and the reason why I wanted to really, uh, you know, mention Canary Cry News Talk is it's because it's the most consistent thing that I'm doing right now. Um, you know, I'm working on the documentary of Age of Deceit three, and um, that's you know that's an editing job, that's a research job, that's kind of behind the scenes. It takes a while to to put all that together. In the meantime, I'm publishing videos on YouTube. Um, but the most consistent thing that we do every single week is Canary Cry News Talk. And that, yeah, that, that's great. Uh, back to the issue of transhumanism here. I want to make sure we, we give this the, the proper attention it deserves. I have a book from Zbigniew Brzezinski from the 1950s. It's uh, Totalitarianism, Autocracy, and Authoritarianism, I think is the title. But it talks about the, uh, that there are six characteristics of a totalitarian regime. But it also points out that never before in the history of governments has we seen the uh, innovation and technology of the modern devices. And it goes on to say that with the modern technology, it will uh, resuscitate a system of total control in the service of ideological motivated movement and dedicated to the total destruction and reconstruction of a mass society. But it talks about never before has any tyrannical system of government, uh, you know, from Babylon to to ancient Rome have had this kind of technology that we have today, and we see people like Elon Musk uh, and others saying, you know, this is the summoning of the demon, giving the AI, uh, you know, the, this pretty much it's a, a an entity into itself, and the rapid intensification of of this technology. I mean, we went in ten years' time from you know people not knowing uh, or going from dial-up to now we're talking about the implementation of and transformation of man merging into machines how long do you think until the, this agenda is actually rolled out and and made into law and i've done a lot of research on this i know the laws are written i know the uh, all all the the uh, information is out there in the public domain published by the government but i think they just need the right atmosphere how long do you think uh, it, of a time span are we looking at 5 years 10 years 20 years what's your estimation it's tough to say. I mean, they need the right atmosphere, but they can also they can also create that atmosphere mm-hmm. with an event. You know, that that's kind of what's more concerning is that if they can cr- pull off some sort of event, whether it it is you know a catastrophic thing or like nine eleven, similar to that. Um, but it would have to be sort of um, geared towards the desire of the people to want uh, a technology that is that invasive. And I think it's been difficult to even pull off something. Uh, that big, and I mean, they can do pandemics and things like that. That to that level, they haven't really ruled that stuff out. Although you know, we've seen it in movies. Um, but it's it's hard to say. It's it's um, it's gonna be. I really think it's gonna split our civilization in, in a big way. And whether it's um, it's going to be how tangible it's gonna be and how soon, I don't know. But um. In terms of certain segments, certain the, the the smart city that cities that are being built around the world, 
these are going to be equipped for these types of folk, folks that are conditioned to accept, um, you know, a microchip into their body to, to be a part of this bigger system that's saving the planet or whatever they're going to promote it as. Um, it's going to have to be, it's going to have to be a communal thing that these these sorts of communities spring up where everyone is tied into these systems. And then I think eventually when we look at biblical prophecy, especially, you know, the merging of the four beasts into a conglomerate beast, um, that, that sort of thing seems to be a more uh, tangible, realistic sort of global brain type of thing where you do have these cities or these nations or, or nation states, however it may look like, of people that are just totally connected into these networks and then they begin to merge and then we have this huge system that builds the actual image and the whole beast system is here and, and, and it's alive and all this stuff. Um, but I, I don't know. Timelines are hard to say. Uh, you know, four year, four or five years ago when we first started this, you know, we always thought like, yeah, it's going to start happening. But uh, some of the things did happen a lot quicker than I than I had expected. Um, uh, we had heard about Sweden and some companies, you know, starting to microchip their employees there a couple years ago, I think. Um, yep. That story came to the United States, I think, last year. Uh, so, so you know, these types of things are slow to come. Um, but, but again, it, it has to be something that has to it has to be revolutionary. It has to capture the imagination of the people and and VR and all these things. They're slow to roll out. But eventually it'll get to a point where I think, you know, uh, visiting a smart city will be kind of like visiting Disneyland where it's like this experience and some people will never leave, you know. So I, yeah. it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to watch this type of uh, split again in civilization where people in that world, they're going to continue to go in that direction of genetic engineering and, uh, you know, uh, integrating themselves with uh, machines and things like that, uh, where probably there will be a large group of humans that are like, ah, we're good. You know, we're, we're, we'll go back to cell phones or, you know, flip phones or something at the <laughs> most, and we'll just, you know, we'll farm and we'll be good. You know, so, um, you know, it'll be interesting. Well, definitely it, w- it will be interesting, and this uh, technology, as we said, is intensifying and, and uh, reproducing so fast that it just seems like at any moment, as we said, with the right atmosphere, I believe it's going to be a, a combination, obviously, involving some kind of economic uh, catastrophe that's going to be global in nature, I, I believe, in order to bring us under this one world system. This seems, this is their MO. They create the problem and they already have the solution, a predetermined solution, uh, when that problem that they created arises. And this is what they're going to do for this one world system. Now, whether that's the next system that gets implemented or not, we don't know. But all the, uh, in- indicators and everything's there for their ability to control this. I want to ask you this, Gons. What we've seen in recent years with the Christian church in America, I would just say becoming apostate, accepting things like homosexual marriage and transgenderism. What's happening to this, the, the church in America? And do you think uh, it's going to be an underground church sooner than later? Yeah, I, I think there are a lot more people who are are, are having a, you know a challenge speaking up with some of what they see or what they feel about what's happening. Um, because of some of the atmospheres that are being created in, in the United States here. But I think, uh, oh, the church, you know, I, I can't be, you know, I'm not going to fully speak on it because I, I'm a relatively young Christian in terms of years. I'm, I've, I was saved in 2007, so it's been a decade. Um, it's been a jam-packed decade. It's been a crazy decade. But, um, 
you know, I wasn't really around before then, so so I, I hear people talk about how the church was before, or just the climate of the church, and they're kind of just stories to me. But I, but I can say that as soon as I was saved, I one of the things that I really had to parse out with my journey into faith was, okay, I see these things on TV, I see you know people televangelists, I see all the crazy stuff. Is that really the heart of Christianity, or is that? just a poor representation or, or somebody twisting the core values or something. So I really had to investigate that for myself and I discovered that a lot of that is, you know, a lot of it is corruption through money or, or th- there were a lot of things that the Bible actually confirmed that those things were deceptions or, or deviations from what was supposed to be more wholesome. So um, in that regard, you know, I, I noticed immediately, like, like, okay, there's the truth and there are people trying their best to follow the truth. But then there is this institutional structure, this system that's set up that can propagate different ideas. And, and that's the, the, the realm in which I saw start to really crumble in the last decade, go from, you know, pretty conservative and whatnot, just, you know, your standard traditional type of core American value type of stuff to, you know, seeing some of the changes in, in, in some of those values, like you mentioned with gay marriage, transgenderism, things like that. Um, and and really the whole liberal movement and seeing the Eastern philosophies, uh, not just Eastern, because technically, you know, if you think about Christianity, the heart of Christianity is Eastern. But regardless, you know, the more you know, uh, Hindu type of philosophies, um, the the monist type of thought uh, infiltrate into, and some of the practices even into uh, Christianity, and seeing that blend, uh, the return of ecumen- ecumenical uh, ideas. Um, so it, it is interesting, and I, and I was actually talking about this with Basil the other day uh, on either News Talk or our extended reports, where you know the the church really has become uh, what was the point? I, I kind of got off track now. <laughs> yeah, the, the um, uh, really the, the condition of the American church is it apostate? Is, is the you know what we we see what seventy percent of Americans identify as Christians? But how much of that is Christianity of the world versus, you know, the traditional, uh, uh, fundamental uh, Christian religion that that Jesus taught? It seems that we, the church is so far removed from the uh, foundational uh, uh, doctrine of the Bible uh, that it, it it just seems like it, it's apostate. It's not even a part of the real Christian church. But you know, yeah. I was talking about what we're seeing. Are we going to see the church move underground? Are we with the level of hate we see right now in this free society we have? Uh, will the church be forced to, at some point it will, but my, my question is, uh, do you think it will happen sooner than later? Because we're seeing uh, the hate of Christians and of Jesus being openly promoted in the media, in the entertainment industry, and basically being applauded. And it and just seems like the direction of our, our church being apostate at the same time this is happening is a recipe yeah. for disaster. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting you bring that up because... Um, uh, I had th- heard through the grapevines, and I think one of the uh, one of these apologists uh, had mentioned it publicly on one of their radio shows. Uh, I won't mention names of the uh, the apologists. These are pretty big heavy hitters in the world of academic Christianity, um, and they they had a meeting of the minds, so to speak, uh, several years ago, back early in the in, de- in the decade, and they saw it coming. They were like, "Look, I think they think that the church was going to go underground before the end of the decade." And I think what they they were correct in the the cultural shift in climate in the last you know several years, especially in the last couple years. Um, and I think we we are responsible, you know, the listeners of your show, 
uh, you know, our generation, we're going to be responsible to build some of those places. Uh, you can call them arcs. Um, the technology is available. Uh, we can learn it, you know, and we can, and we can build some of the things to, uh, maintain some of the, the core values that you were talking about, uh, on the internet space anyway, and, um, and, and take advantage of it because obviously it looks like, uh, some of the, centralized corporations that have existed have uh, abused this technology to the fullest extent and so uh you know there's this whole movement of cryptocurrencies and decentralization and and there's a whole dark side to that as well I'm not saying that it, this is a a liberating system that's coming to to free humanity or anything like that um because it, with anything there's always a release of the technology or the the systems in order to create more control in the future and, and a great example of this is Tor, uh, the onion router. It's, it's basically where you can access the dark web and all this stuff. Well, this was um, a secret intelligence creation, but they couldn't just use it for their agents because then there's a place, a network, that's just used by agents and they're exposed. So what they had to do was release the technology to the public. And so anybody can use Tor, anybody can go to the dark web, and the agents can hide in plain sight. They're just as anonymous as everybody else. And so I, I see cryptocurrencies in a similar fashion where we're releasing this technology, this decentralized system. Um, and so, yes, we have the opportunity to build a system that resists some of these hard controls, uh, but we have to do it. Like, we actually have to put the pedal to the metal and build it. And and that's kind of the, the difficult part, the challenging part, um, I, I think, uh, that everyone is experiencing right now. Uh, and so... Yeah, in terms of the church going underground, I think it's already happening. Um, and I think we're at that point now where unless we adapt and build some of those technologies, we're just going to continue to fragment into, uh, our, you know, just our own communities, which is not a bad thing in terms of building your own communities where you are locally, uh, and, and connecting with people and trying to find like-minded folks. But that's been the biggest thing that, that people have told me over the years of doing this ministry is, Hey, I, I just don't know anybody talking about this stuff. I don't have, I don't know anybody at my church. I don't know anybody in school or, you know, my family thinks I'm nuts. Like that, it, nobody's around that talks about these issues. And so, um, it, that's why the internet has been a powerful tool for folks that do look into these subjects. Um, so that's why we, we want to try to, and I'm trying to build something to maintain that. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep that close to the chest for now because, uh, you know, there's a lot more development that needs to take place. But yeah, the church going underground, I think it's happening already. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, uh, it's, I mean, just the, the, the hatred that we see, uh, from the left and, and what they are saying, it just in the, I mean, it, it's reminiscent of other uh, times in history where we've seen, uh, you know, uh, movements of, of executions and, and whatnot and persecutions. It, it just reminds me of, of some of the language you see from, you know, pre World War II Germany and whatnot. But kind of switching gears here, Gons, I want to ask you this. I don't know. I don't think I've heard your opinion. Uh, on President Trump, what do you think of President Trump? Good, uh, bad, indifferent? What's your views on on our president? Oh, that's like a uh, that that's that's like the mind the the, the uh, mind bending question of uh, everybody that everyone has to deal with, right? <laughs> that has plagued all of us. Um, you know, I'm I've always sort of tried to root for him. Um, and to be honest, I've always tried to root for every president, you know, uh, yeah. even Obama. I, I've tried to be like, hey, you know, I don't agree with your, what you're doing over here. But, you know, it's p- 
politically, it's really interesting for me because I've never really been into politics. I've always tried to avoid it because I always saw it as a control mechanism. Even when, before I was saved, I was always kind of like, wow, these people are really amped up about these things, these particular ideas. And, um, and I noticed early on, especially studying sociology in college, I noticed that, you know, with each individual, they have different ideas and different, they'll fall on different places on the political spectrum depending on a topic. And then, you know, but the, but the, these lines are always drawn for control, in my opinion, you know, this right left paradigm. Oh, yeah. Although, again, there is a, there is a logical and objective sort of uh, scale that you can measure, like, okay, this is more of a conservative view, this is more of a liberal, you can do that. So it's not, I'm not dismissing the whole concept in general, but I'm saying that when you draw a hard line and you have to choose teams, that's, that's, you know, everybody is forced to compromise something. Um, and so in that regard, understanding all that, uh, with President Trump, it was kind of a breath of fresh air when he first came around and he was talking about all the stuff that we never thought we would hear from a, a political pul- pul- pulpit, so to speak, you know, the, the podium. And, um, so it did kind of like, wow, that this is refreshing. This is something that we never thought we would see that we, maybe we can put our hope into. Um, but, you know, it, it kind of goes back and forth. The, 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 the media, what I've always tried to defend uh, folks or defend against with folks is not necessarily President Trump himself, but this illogical, irrational, crazy nonsense that comes from, you can call it the left, the mainstream media, the progressive thinking folks, the stuff that, that, that just is completely off the, I don't yeah. even know where they get some of these ideas. And they just run with it and they, they, they use it as rhetoric and it's all ad hominems and stuff. And it's like, I'm trying to be rational and just think critically and just not even get too deep into stuff. Just like, okay, wait a minute. Let's, let's stop and think about what, you know, why someone would say this. Why it, it just, it boggles the mind that, you know, especially on Twitter and stuff where people are just, you know, everything is definitive and, you know, for eternity and beyond because of a, something that was said in a tweet or something. <laughs> it's just nuts. Yeah. But, um, yeah, in terms of President Trump, I think, you know, he's done some good things. Obviously, he's done positive things. Um, if you're on the, one of the folks that believes that he, it really did trigger some of the, you know, bringing down some of the, the pedophile rings and stuff like that. Um, just from where I sit, it, it did seem like a lot of that stuff picked up as soon as President Trump became president. And, um, we weren't hearing about it in the mainstream media. We were hearing it from independent folks reporting on different stories from around the country and the world. And, um, you know, some people say like, oh, that's always been happening. It's just, you know, blah, blah, blah. Now you're connecting it to Trump or trying to give him credit. Um, but it seems like that that's not the case that, you know, there's a lot more going on in terms of busting these, uh, some of these folks and the, the rumors about the thousands of indictments, yeah. sealed indictments, um, things like that. It makes you go, huh, you know, maybe, maybe he is going in there and trying to clean some things up. Um, but uh, from my perspective, there are obviously certain concerns. Uh, with his ties and his relationship with Israel. I know people get mad at me for saying stuff like that, but I'm not talking about the people of Israel or the Jewish people. I'm talking about uh, some of the political Zionist movements that, that he seems to be, you know, friendly with. And so some of those parts I'm not in full agreement with, and, and I, you know, I'm not going to jump on board with some of those ideas. Uh, but uh, he's a very interesting figure. And, yeah. and you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to be positive and trying to, to wish him the best and, and, but also trying to wake people up in the process because so many people are so freaked out about him one way or another. It's like, look, the, the man doesn't hold that much power. Like, yes, he is the president. 
and there's rhetoric about you know the, the power, most powerful man in the in the world and things like that. But you know the the whole idea of presidents are selected, not elected. I still think there's an element of that. You know, if there yeah. is a, an elite group, um, a, a group of people that span in the hundreds or maybe even a, a few thousand that really do control everything that happens, um, then maybe there are disagreements with, <laughs> within the, even that realm. And maybe that's what's manifesting out here in, in the world that we see is uh, some disagreements about how to bring in the new world order or... Or maybe this was always been, you know, has been part of the plan. Um, and m- part of my criticisms of, of Trump has been his um, eagerness to just let 5G become a thing. Um, yeah. I haven't really touched uh, too much on that since some of the videos that I've made on it. But uh, um, I know he was, you know, and he wants to rebuild. And that's kind of been my point with Trump is like he wants to rebuild, rebuild, rebuild. And it's obvious right now that that power is shifting away from the West and it's going to the East. The East is being used as sort of the the tip of the spear to bring about the the New World Order. Yeah. So so in that regard, I think what Trump is doing is okay. So while this power shift happens to the East, let's strengthen the United States so it protects you know so we don't completely fall off the map. So we're able to sort of sustain ourselves. And a lot of the the talk about rebuilding all in all this seems to me like a ploy to build a sustaining system while the power shifts to the East and then. Perhaps when it comes back to the West, it's going to be this crazy new rebuild. Um, you know, it, it all, it, these are theories. I'm not saying that this is exactly what's going to happen, but in terms of understanding the New World Order thought, they understand that there's a, a destruction and rebuild process to all of, all of this, uh, the New World Order idea. And so I wouldn't be surprised if this is part of a rebuilding process to implement these new technologies, the cryptocurrencies, the, the blockchain and, and, um, 5G and, and new technology rebuild and but again at a certain point all that could get hijacked oh yeah either turned off completely or you know just totally hijacked and uh, especially if people are so dependent on that system that they can't live or they can't literally they can't buy or sell without it if somebody decides to turn off the, the electricity or the switch um, then uh, they're at the mercy of that person so this seems to be what's prophetically explained in the Bible with the man of sin and the Antichrist. He's going to declare himself to be God. Who can do that in our society? Think about what kind of person, an individual, you know, what would we, he have to do in our secular world, this modern scientific uh, craziness that we're living in, uh, where the world will say, oh yeah, this guy is God. You know, so things to consider. Yeah, absolutely. And I got, I got a, uh, you know, Trump, I love him just for the fact that he's not Hillary Clinton. But at oh, the same amen time, to that. <laughs> he, uh, amen. he seems naive about some things, and uh, it, I don't know. I think he has the best intentions. I hope he does, at least. But what, what's so interesting about him is he's such a polarizing figure. He, I don't think intentionally, I don't think he could have done this if he wanted to, but the, the rabid insanity that we see that has come up against him, uh, it, it's, it's amazing how President Trump brings out uh, the, the craziness in people, and it seems to be the uh, division of our country, like the main foundation of division in our country, at least that's what he's uh, being blamed for. But I, I'll say this much that I do, it's more so what he represents and, uh, and who he represents that, that's important. And I do think he wants the best for the American people, but, um, he's got an ego on him, and he does seem willing to, uh, you know, bend in, in certain areas that I don't think many of us are comfortable, uh, to see him going in. But, all in all, I think, you know, the majority of people believe that 
his election brought some kind of reprieve to America, and pe- people need to take advantage of that. John, I know you uh, had a question, and, and you just mentioned the 5G technology guns. If we have time, I want to get into that a little bit. But, John, uh, go ahead. Oh, go yeah, it. absolutely. Uh, Gons, uh, I was enjoying one of your videos uh, right before we went live this evening, and I was really enjoying some of the the investigation you were doing into Daniel and AI. This Joe, this segues nicely into where you want to go, and some of the transliteration. And I don't want to give away some of the really good punches, so uh, I want to pass it back to you, Gons. Are you tracking with what I'm talking about? Um, maybe. Okay, we're know. talking about <laughs> Daniel and the and the first robot in Saudi Arabia. Oh, you're talking about um, Sophia. Sophia and uh, yeah, yeah, no, I, I don't remember exactly what I said in that video. <laughs> I'm gonna have to go back and forth. Um, okay. you know, I cover so much information. Sometimes I gotta like get reminded. Of, well, let's of, let's uh, let's pull the let's pull the camera back a little bit. We'll get a little bit broader broader uh, establishing shot here. Uh, we've got uh, uh, Billy Crone joining us next week, and and he's one of our favorites for AI. As is your work, Anthony Patch would be yet another. La Marzuli. Uh, AI Today, uh, Billy Crone's new book, uh, I'm gonna butcher this, but the title is really disconcerting. It's like, it's like drones, emerging AI, and, and the end of the human race. It's not, it's not the exact title, but it's the, it's the basic idea. Uh, how, in your video, Gons, you were suggesting that one of the dangerous things about AI, as noted by Elon Musk, I believe, is that they are, um, what's the word where, they they re- may regard us as we regard an ant. It's is it cos uh... yeah the, the 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 cosmist view where basically yes, thank they, you. They, they the are, cosmist view right they they see us as ants. Yeah, that's the ba- basic idea that they are. They're not. It's not that they're evil. It's that they are higher in moral you know whatever foundation, and so our morality is useless or you know just nothing to them. And yeah, I've, you know, the same argument has been used for aliens and things like that. So it's, it's not a new argument. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, the, the whole idea with AI and, and I think with Daniel 243 is what you're referring to with the iron mix with clay, but then also, you know, getting yes. into Daniel 7 and, and uh, what I've mentioned earlier with the four beasts. Um, I know a lot of people think they're the kingdoms and, and I think there is, uh, a way to interpret that and have that be a, a proper interpretation. And just, just so folks understand if they're not familiar with, some of my ideas and views about how Bible prophecy may work is that, you know, I think there is a cyclical nature to prophecy, and I think there's also this transcendent thing about the Word of God, how it can speak to any generation and have a particular sort of meaning or purpose to that generation, particularly uh, with ours, concerning some of these passages that may not have been so important uh, to past generations, but to us, we read something like Daniel 2.43, iron mixed with miry clay and yeah it could be talking about the royals of rome you know mixing with the commoners and that kind of thing but in our modern context it, it doesn't it doesn't not uh, or it fits so perfectly that it's almost like wow it would be denying a really obvious sort of way to understand it in the modern context understanding that it may not have been the the way things were written down or, or the purpose it was written down for at the time um so i had this transcendent view of prophecy but uh so yeah so but anyway so i think the ai thing is really fascinating when you start looking at the iron mixed with clay because that's what's really going on is humanity um, saying that the only way to really advance, to really create this AI system that is a part, this, this independent conscious entity, because that that's really, if you really get down to the technical details, the, the AI that people talk about now is 
yes, it's pretty, pretty remarkable, but they're really complex math equations. They're really not like, it's not like a, a, a sentient being yet. They're, they're, they do things that are similar to sentient beings. They, they can quote unquote learn. They can, you know, increase their database so that it informs future decisions uh, or, you know, or future computations. Um, but here's what's really interesting about all of it, you know, because and this is something that I've come to understand as I'm uh, learning how to code and learning how learning HTML and JavaScript and all this stuff uh, to build some of these things I was talking about earlier. Um, th- this idea of coding and creating programs and and algorithms and everything that artificial intelligence works under, there is a touching point where what we're doing is basically reconfiguring electronic sig- signals to make representations on a screen and eventually what you know what we're doing three-dimensionally with avatars and things like that and it is kind of like this you know the limits of your imagination the only thing that is uh, uh, that can stop you is the limits of your imagination type of thing similar to the Tower of Babel and you know that comes from the human mind but here's what's really interesting even within the course that I'm taking and learning all this stuff they're taught that one of these teachers, this is like a, you know, this is like a coding class. And the guy's like, well, you know, you don't even have to fully understand the functions. In many ways, the functions, and this is a particular part of a, you know, a, a coding class that I was listening to, a particular function can be a black box. And, you know, as long as it works, we're good. And I thought to myself, wait a minute, okay, I'm learning how to code. And this code teacher is telling me, that sometimes the functions are a black box that you just plug in the data as long as you get the data that's correct on the outside or you know as an output we're good that didn't settle well with me as someone trying to like get down to the nitty gritty to the bottom of like okay what are these people talking about when it comes to AI right um, okay so, hold on so, a sec wait, wait, yeah. yeah let me just I want to make sure our listeners and viewers are getting this and make sure I'm getting it so you're sure. saying if you're if you're coding for a black box what you're what the professor was saying well uh, if what you're looking for is black box, but what they give you is, say, for example, black cube, then that's okay. But really, it's not because that's two different definitions and two different things. Is that sort of what you're what you're implying? Uh, right. Well, yeah. I mean, I think he used the, the phrase uh, black box in terms of like we're not sure what it does. You know, we're we're not sure what the computation is exactly doing if it, within that function. But then the output, you know, as long as the output has a a a, a comprehensive or at least a coherent as long as it's doing what it's supposed to do, basically, is, was his point. Um, we don't have to know exactly all the details of what's happening within within a certain uh, equation. And so I, I found that really interesting. I thought that the psychology behind that was fascinating, that even at, at the uh, university and, and some of the deeper learning levels, that they would say, like, oh, yeah, there's, you know, forget about you know, some of the, you don't have to understand it at that level. You just, you know, plug it in as long as it works. <laughs> and, and you know, that, that, that mindset is... Uh, it's so fascinating to me, and because we're using that as something that we don't pay attention to, this this incredible power. The more I learn about this stuff, the more I'm like, wow, we have this crazy ability to really create anything we want right now, and I just don't think it's headed in a good good direction with uh, where humanity is taking it. But you know, um, hopefully, it inspires people that uh, to learn some of these things as well, and to build their own stuff, and to try to resist some of the uh you know the totalitarian systems that are being put in place yeah and i want to ask you about this you know you, you mentioned this the uh time that we live in 
the great deception, the, we, the potential that AI uh, can play. Uh, what does the great deception look like to you? We know the Bible says, you know, the lying signs and wonders, Satan appearing as a, or masquerading as an angel of light. Do you see this as um, some sort of alien, uh, you know, invasion, demonic alien invasion, or do you see the great deception as some other uh, type of manifestation done by Satan? Yeah, yeah. There, there have been so many theories over the years. There, there was a time when I really thought it was an alien deception, um, and I don't rule it out. I really, that's still a, a plausible uh, card that they can play. Um, Project Bluebeam is something that's been discussed a lot. Uh, again, it relies on this technology to create these lying signs and wonders. Uh, but um, yeah, the AI is a, definitely a possible thing as well. Now, what I've sort of theorized in the past is. A sort of um, a, a combination of the two in that the, the difference between an, a quote-unquote AI and a alien is going to, to sort of merge together. And it won't be so much an extraterrestrial in, this, in the traditional uh, sense from the, the world of evolution where they think, you know, another planet and then uh, an alien sprung out of goo and, you know, they, that's how they evolved. Not in that sense, but more so... You know, like we've been saying, like theologians have been saying for centuries, right? These intelligent entities that exist in other worlds, either they're parallel dimensions or, you know, uh, other universes or whatever they may, they may be, or they may think they be. As Christians, we think that, you know, we say it's the unseen realm. It's the spiritual world where these beings live, where God is and everything else. And, um, you know, I've, I've theorized that those entities, the fallen angels, the same ones that, that have been kind of abusing humanity all this time, they've always been able to appear as whatever they'd like. Gods, uh, you know, angels, aliens in the modern era. And so I wouldn't be surprised if they would say, hey, you know, we created this virtual space. I talked about a video, uh, talked about a project called One, um, One Game today. That I published one. Uh, it was just a virtual space, a, a video game, the the video game to end all video games. One game where everybody can go. Now imagine if this world of one game, very similar to the Oasis uh, in Ready Player One, if anybody saw that movie, it's it's the digital realm where everybody is. Now imagine if within that realm, some people, entities, showed up in the virtual space in their avatars or whatever, and they said, "Hey, we're from another planet. We're from Zeta Reticuli or whatever." And this is a great way, this is a great medium to communicate with you guys, with humanity, because, you know, we can't travel all the way from wherever, so we're going to appear in this virtual avatar state because we can, you know, connect with our quantum computers or whatever, and here we are. And in that regard, it, it would be really interesting, right? Because it's like, oh, they're aliens, but we can't really prove it, but maybe they could do something to, to prove it, you know, or make it look like they're proving it. So, I don't know, these are just theories, these are just, you know, fun sort of possibilities of how things may play out. Um, but the, the crux here also with the iron mix with Myra Clay thing that we were touching on before is that, uh, there's no way that the technologists of today are going to get to where they want to get to with artificial intelligence and creating their own sentient entity. There's no way to get there without reverse engineering the human brain, the human mind, everything else. And so, um, there's going to be a, 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 an assistant human brain <laughs> somewhere that I think is going to be uh, the culprit to a lot of this stuff becoming sentient, self-aware, that sort of thing. And, and that's been projected and, and shown in movies like Transcendence with Johnny Depp and things like that. So, again, not new, not new ideas, but they are ideas being pushed out there because I think they want the public to start realizing, like, hey, 
quietly in the background, the elite technologists and everything, this is what we're doing. We're trying to create God out of technology. That's exactly what they're doing. Uh, Gons, we only got about four and a half, five minutes left. Anything that we didn't cover that you wanted to get into today? Um, I think that's it. I mean, mostly, um, I, I wanted to really get people to, uh, go check out Canary Cry News Talk. Uh, again, very consistent there, and I, I know you guys cover the news there. We try to cover, uh, all the things that you probably won't hear from other places, and we, and we try to purposely avoid some of the major stories that are going on. Um, as one for us, you know, in our, our own sanity, uh, just to get away from some of that stuff and talk about other things going on. Um, but also as a way, as a resource for you, for anybody that wants to dig into things that are going on that you may not hear about. Um, yes. and, uh, actually starting in last, last week, we, uh, started posting an entire list of, uh, links of stories, uh, an, an aggregate for that week, uh, kind of like a drudge type thing where we have a bunch of links to different articles. And so, uh, you know, we have that as a resource as well. So canarycrynewstalk.com. Now, Gons, uh, what time? Now, is that just a podcast or do you air live? It's just a live? podcast. Okay. It's a, it's a podcast. And tell me this, uh, I'm definitely going to be, be, uh, bookmarking it and, and checking it out from time to time. It almost sounds, I like to go to dark journalist on YouTube as well because, because it takes me out of today's news cycle. And we right. talk about broader, more fascinating type things. Uh, what are some of the big uh, topics that Basil and yourself are covering right now on uh, the podcast? Well, you know, it, it's not completely out of the, the limelight, so to speak. It is some of it, it does overlap a little bit. I mean, we do talk a lot about technology and AI. Um, and again, sometimes that's mainstream and everyone's talking about it. And sometimes we try to veer off and find different stories or narratives that surround it. Um, but, you know, we, we track the biomedical stuff. Uh, we do track aliens and UFO news and things of that nature. Um, robots, we really love robots on our show, so we, we follow all <laughs> kinds of robot stories. There, there's a lot of robot talk out there right now that, uh, yeah, kind of going unnoticed. Did you see, um, did you see that thing Joe and I reported on it last night? I mean, this is just crazy about these pedobots. Have you seen this? This is the, this is a part of the new, uh, sex robot, uh, industry, if you will. There was a piece written up in uh, Newsweek as well as a couple British publications yesterday. Uh, I, you know, I had not heard about that specific one, but I had uh, I'd talked about some of those ideas in terms of uh, the ethical nature of, you know, well, you know, it's not hurting anybody, it's not hurting any humans, and they can carry out their their desires with this machine. Um, I personally don't think that that's still a good thing because no. you're enabling that person to uh, revel in that sin. So I, I, I don't think it's a, you know... If it's not hurting anybody, what's the point? But, you know, again, they're hurting themselves, ultimately, is the uh, conclusion that we've come to with some of those those robots. But not particularly particularly that one. Um, but, yeah, we, we covered... Uh, they made a bird into a robot last week. A human is battling a robot piano. They have a flying, mutating robot. There's all kinds of robots. It's, it's getting kind of weird out there. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> and, you know, we uh, the question was asked, you know, well, does... Will, will the... Uh, uh, these robots or these, uh, dolls, uh, replace the actual, you know, activity of these people, uh, and what they do to children. And if anything, I believe it will, uh, and enforce that. You know, it, it'll make it worse. We see this all the time with, uh, as John mentioned, the, uh, yesterday with the, uh, you know, the accessibility of pornography and how, uh, you know, there's a huge problem with, with people who are addicted to that. And, you know, more pornography does not solve the problem. And as you said, feeding that addiction, feeding that, uh, sinful behavior is never the answer, and I don't think it, it, it it's a terrible idea. And it just shows the uh, depraved nature of the world that we live in and how corrupt our society has become. 
But, Gons, I want to thank you so much for coming on, folks. Go subscribe to uh, the YouTube channel. Check out his podcast. Uh, the YouTube channel is Face Like the Sun. You can follow him on Twitter, on Facebook, at Face Like the Sun. Gons, thank you so much for your for your time tonight, and keep putting out those uh, videos. That we absolutely enjoy watching them and learn a lot. Well, appreciate you inviting me on, and uh, hopefully talk to you guys again. Absolutely. You have a good day. All right. Fantastic first hour. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Alicia Powell. She has been writing for the Gateway Pundit, covering the Tucson, Arizona story, and several other things we're going to get into with her in the next half hour. So don't go anywhere. And check out her latest piece up at the Gateway Pundit right now. Kanye West's album is number one in 83 countries, despite vicious Democrat mob threats of boycott. That's her latest piece up on the Gateway Pundit. We'll be right back with Alicia Powell right after this. of the Hagman Report, we have journalist Alicia Powell coming on. Uh, she's been writing for the Gateway Pundit, and I'd urge everybody to keep the Gateway Pundit in their radar and bookmark that site. They uh, do tremendous work. Jim, Jim Hoft over there uh, really are on top of things specifically related to the uh, Trump investigation, the, the Mueller probe, the corruption at the FBI and the DOJ, and uh, everything in between. And uh, it's a perfect fit for Alicia uh, she was writing for, for World Net Daily, but now uh, for the Gateway Pundit. And, uh, you know, we've been working with Jim Hoft, and he's also uh, listed in a lawsuit, uh, I'm sure more than one, part of the lawfare against the conservative media. And uh, while I've got that on, on my mind here, I know Patrick Wood sent me an email yesterday. He has started or is uh, working to Citizens for Speech Founded to Fight Censorship. Citizens for Speech, CFFS, announced the beginning of operations to build a national movement to defend free speech and rights established under the First Amendment. These rights include freedom of press, unhindered expression of religion, the right to peacefully assemble, and the right to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Censorship in America is running rampant over citizens. Rights defined under the First Amendment, uh, says Patrick Wood. Anyway... There is uh, this uh, letter he wrote uh, for the Citizens for Free Speech organization that he has put together, and he wants to build a coalition of radio and media organizations to present a common voice in addressing censorship to local, state, and national government officials. And I think this is so important because we always talk about the lack of organization in the alternative media, in the uh, conservative spheres, and we have this censorship battle we're fighting and it seems, you know, nobody's stepping up to the plate uh, or nobody understands the best way to f- uh, fight and combat the censorship. And how do you fight against the, you know, the the big tech companies where you can just be deleted or banned and you have no voice anymore? So they, he's starting this organization, this coalition, again, Citizens for Free Speech, and you can find that at org if you want to check that out. So 
I want to thank Patrick Wood for putting that together, and we're going to have to uh, bring him back on to, to explain exactly what it is he, he hopes to accomplish with this new organization, but definitely a step in the right direction. Indeed. And, uh, you know, thank, Patrick, thank you. Uh, technocracy.news and uh, Trilaterals Over Washington, uh, one of Patrick Wood's. Uh, earlier today on the Hagman Daily Show, Joe and I were talking about baseline books you've got to read. Brzezinski, Kissinger, mm-hmm. that one by Patrick Wood would definitely be one of them as well. Uh, Joe, we've got Alicia Powell, and uh, she joins us uh, this, this evening. Uh, as you said, she's been cranking out some great work at the Gateway Pundit. And her recent piece, uh, Former Navy SEAL, uh, Tucson Encampment Likely Used for Child Trafficking Despite Police and Media Reports. And this story, uh, much like many stories, it's, it's starting to sort of be tracked by some different angles. And I was hoping that Alicia would uh, give us some insight into that. Uh, Alicia Powell, a Hagman Report regular, certainly one of our favorites, both uh, on the show as well as, as off the show. Alicia, welcome to the Hagman Report. Hello, thanks for having me back. It's great to be back with you guys. And um, so I've been, I had a little hiatus from reporting about a couple of months and I want to get in and look for the juicy stuff. There's stuff that I left off with with Seth Rich and, and, you know, ever since the election, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but ever since the election, we saw these emails about spirit cooking and Pizzagate and the mainstream media telling us we can't look into it at all. I just decided to, you know, just search, score through Twitter and see what's being, what's mentioned on Pizzagate, what's the latest. And I came across this video of a veteran in Arizona um, who is uh, documenting this encampment in Arizona. And what I saw, I just couldn't believe there's this underground tunnel. There's just, there's this, uh, I guess it's a, a, a septic tank buried under the ground, and it, 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 there's really no good reason. It's just baffling. There's no good reason why that's there with the other items that were found on this camp. I mean, there's there's hair dye, this, this, what is this? I mean, first of all, how much, if it's, a, if it's a homeless, something the homeless use for shelter, how do homeless even get these devices? I mean, I think some a tank like that would probably cost at least upwards of $1,000, maybe $7,000 when I reached how much something like this would cost to put together. Um, so there, I was the first more national outlet to report on it. There was a local affiliate in, in Arizona that that reported on it. And um, the other articles I wrote got a lot of circulation on the web. And uh, it just begs the question, why are the, poli- why are the police so persistent that this is not a crime scene or this is nothing that that warrants investigation. Yes. Also, why are the why is the media not reporting on it? And then you have uh, Craig Craig Sawman, Sawman, the better the founder of Veterans for Child Rescue. He says he's contacted the FBI. And I think any American paying attention to the, the what's going on in the news on a regular basis for the last two two years, can we really trust the Clinton FBI to investigate this camp that's found on property that's owned by CMEX, who a, a, a concrete a corporation, a corporation that produces concrete that's given millions of dollars and received millions of dollars from the Clinton Foundation. So 
Uh, you know, Alicia, let me let me let me jump in here quickly. I, I was looking at your your article at the Gateway Pundit, and I just want to echo what Joe said. Uh, the Gateway Pundit's become one of our favorites at at the Hagman Report, and it's funny, Alicia, because you jumped in at a perfect time. But we were really tracking with the Gateway Pundit uh, at the end of last year and throughout 2018 as well, because the work has just been so superb. But uh, one of your uh, in the comments uh, of your new piece, the one posted yesterday, uh, June 5th. Um, uh, one, uh, Molan Labe, quote unquote, screen name, asked, uh, how, how come the authorities aren't doing anything about this? And that's the question that you just posed. And, uh, again, quote, Tiger184, end quote, said, now, I'm stating my opinion here, and I'm also reading what was on the comment board. We're not, I'm not reporting hard news, Alicia, so understand that, of course. But this, but Tiger184 said, Jonathan Rothschild is the mayor of Tucson. You can start your investigation there. So I did. And I went to MayorRothschild.com. And it was really interesting. Uh, when you look at who Jonathan Rothschild is, his family comes out of Chicago and it looks like DC before that. So there's, there's a, there's a legitimate, uh, chain, if you will, from, you know, the capital to a major city, then to Tucson. And he's been part and party to uh, about 15 major nonprofits, some of them national, others local, and he started in Tucson politics as the uh, city treasurer. So I'm just throwing this out to all the internet sleuths out there. Uh, I'm not speaking for myself. I'm not speaking for the Gateway Pundit. I'm, I'm sorry, I am speaking for myself, not the Gateway Pundit or Alicia Powell. But uh, let's take a look at Mayor Jonathan Rothschild. Alicia? Yeah, let's take a, let's all Americans start going it through the woods and seeing how many more of these encampments there are. I mean, I think just the thought as a mother that this is going on in the, in the, the, the most freest country and the most free country on earth. This is going on in the United States of America and we don't have authorities taking it seriously, just brushing it off. I mean, we, I, I've spent months on the Seth Rich case, as you guys know, and you can't get any answers from the FBI or, 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 members of Congress, or no one wants to touch this, everything that's branded fake news, which warrants investigation, is just, it, 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 it makes no sense, because we should be able to think for ourselves without the media labeling something fake news. And I just want to get in a point, too. I've written for WND in the past, and my article's got a lot of traffic on Facebook, but the Gateway Pundit is being censored on Facebook, like, you can't imagine. I mean, I wouldn't typically get upwards of 50 to 100 likes on and shares on my posts from WND, and we get five likes or shares. And I, I, there's a study I just um, reported on this earlier in the week. Our stuff, is, uh, we're we're getting strategically censored from the newsfeed, and stories like this that are pertinent aren't reaching as many eyeballs as they could because there's a censorship going on. There's layers and layers of censorship. Uh, <laughs> it starts with the FBI working with the Clintons, and it sounds conspiratorial, but it's not. And Google and Facebook, the 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 way that we're getting information is being so filtered and censored, uh, censored to benefit to be advantageous for the left. And I honestly don't think we will see it much come of this uh, sex trafficking camp that's in Arizona. At least not this site. For one, the veterans on patrol who are still occupying the site now with with uh, civilians, um, 
they've they've removed all the evidence. They've whatever forensic DNA was left in that in that in that bunker, that underground bunker. I mean, where 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 did the police even come in and begin an investigation? But there's more of this going on. You know, I do not think Pizzagate is just a conspiracy theory, and that conspiracy theory started because of the Podesta emails that were leaked from leaked through WikiLeaks that WikiLeaks published. So we've got to stay on top of this and be diligent. And it's outrageous if this is happening to our children. And there it is, Alicia Powell. I I I, I love it when you get legitimate, good, righteous indignation, especially as a mom, uh, because we should all have that righteous indignation. And uh, yeah, I want to jump in here, John, and say something. I apologize for interrupting oh. you, but we, <laughs> I got an funny. email uh, yesterday about asking about Craig Sawyer. There, apparently, there's a this person out on YouTube making claims that this is a, a big psyop. And just, I, I just want to address this because uh, I do see some people out there who are are trying to they're they're throwing this into the realm of conspiracy theory, and somehow that that Craig Sawyer is is uh, you know somehow an, an intelligence uh, operative. Working, you know, against the the best interests of the people out there. From everything I know about Craig Sawyer, he started the organization Veterans for Child Rescue, that have already led to a, a number of arrests of child traffickers and uh, people who who basically uh, deal in in pedophilia. And I have never had anything uh, but admiration for the guy, and I don't believe for a second that he is part of some you know psychological psychological operation. And somehow is tied into this stuff that he's working on. But I just wanted to address that because I've seen a few Absolutely. things now, uh, people questioning. Alicia, let me ask you a quick question just off of Joe's comment. Uh, uh, we're, uh, looks like we're putting together an interview. I know Craig contacted me today and he said that he would love to, to work with you. Are you in fact planning on, uh, interviewing, uh, Craig Sawyer? Yes, because besides this, this encampment, when I saw, when I, I saw, I first saw Craig because I saw him on the camp, the, the site in, in, in Arizona. But he also says that since he started Child uh, Veterans for Child Rescue, there are two groups that have been trying to uh, derail his efforts to stop child sex trafficking, and that is the Muslim Brotherhood, who we all know are uh, <laughs> child sex traffickers and rapists and do everything jihadists do, and one of and one of two of the major political parties. He didn't explicitly say the Democrat Party, but what exactly are they doing to derail his efforts? I mean, also, I just I just uh, checked, Chelsea Clinton just weighed in on Operation Back, uh, Backyard Brawl. That's what the hashtag is if you want to learn more about what's going on in Arizona. Um, and she's basically uh, immediately uh, calling it, essentially saying it's fake news. Oh, uh, you can look up the tweet na- up now and pull it on the screen. But why the why should we be automatically uh, dismissing this? Right. The stuff that's there, this rape tree. What else could that be? Trees with these straps of leather and 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 sawmen basically detailed it very explicitly on your show the other night. There's 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 all of these devices strapped to these trees. Some of them, he said. Looked like they were there for years because when he went to touch them, they just kind of fell apart in his hands. They were brittle. 
So, yeah, and it, Alicia, he also said that there was coax cable, and, and I think most of our listeners know that's the stuff in, you know that runs through your living room, and it's got the male and female uh, threads, kind of like a little plumbing fixture, and that the, that those were there too. So that would be like a, a, a strap that you could re- reuse over and over just by screwing it together, particularly if it were with a, a smaller body or even that of a child. But uh, but I've so got our a, eyes. Our eyes don't. They, we can't see for ourselves. We need the the mainstream media. We need yeah, no, we don't. <laughs> yeah, that's actually rape trees. We can't just use our own human judgment. I mean, this is ridiculous. And Alicia, you, you said something, and I pulled up Chelsea Clinton's uh, Twitter. She says, "Of course, there's a PizzaGate 2.0. Of course, there is. If you have been a victim of trafficking or have suspicions of actual trafficking, you know, call this number." And she's quoting a. a a tweet that says a uh, conspiracy what theorist. What is it? Is it Bill's number? <laughs> conspiracy <laughs> theorists claim uh, abandoned homeless camp in Arizona desert is child sex camp. One of the things that the media is so effective of doing, anything that they don't want people to talk about, they just throw that label conspiracy theorist out there. And all the pundits, all the commentators run away never to talk about it again because they're afraid. Uh, I mean, these people, uh, it's ingenious, but you, you, any question. ever. The biggest conspiracy ever, guys, is the Russia probe. I mean, I talk about it every time I'm on your show. It just consumes me that the DNC destroyed its server instead of availing it to the FBI. And here comes this Russia probe for two years, delegitimizing the president we all elected instead of that coughing old hag who would be embarrassing us. We'd be in war right now (laughs) if Hillary Clinton had one. Not to mention this child sex trafficking. Who knows? It'd be more rampant. And... (laughs) <laughs> the big, the Russia probe. Why don't we just? It's a that's a conspiracy theory. There's more conspiracy there than there is with these rape trees or with the fact that John Podesta was uh, corresponding with Marina Abramovic, the Satanist cult leader. I mean, you can't say that. Oh, now Snopes and uh, Media Matters and uh, Conweb that constantly tweets out uh, tweets about me and writes about the work that we do at WND and Gateway Pundits. Conspiracy theory. This is, we, uh, conservatives have a lot of power in this country. I mean, that's why they're they're attacking us, us the, the new media, and we have to combat this. This, this child sex, sex trafficking, it, it just also pertains to what you started, uh, you were talking about right before I joined your show, with censorship that's going on from, from law enforcement to the the entire Democrat Party and the liberal media and Facebook and Google and Twitter and what are we what are, what what are we going to do we've got to uh, we've got to collaborate with members of Congress and get some legislation going and and we've got to present and we've got to present the facts every day doggedly tirelessly we've got to present the facts and in that spirit I'm going to present a couple of facts right now uh, Truth Cat Radio and all the other trolls out there who think that they've got something to say about Craig Sawyer really should contact me. I'm not that hard to find. I know Craig personally. Craig is a former Marine. He's a retired U.S. Navy SEAL with impeccable credentials. And I happen to know a lot about different uh, aspects of the things that VetsForChildRescue.org have accomplished that I am not privy to talk about publicly. In fact, the majority of their accomplishments for different reasons. Now, case in point with this issue down in Tucson, uh, Vets on Patrol, we're going to set the record straight right now, Vets on Patrol had had access to that property and awareness of that site for a full 24 hours before 
uh, members of vetsforchildrescue.org arrived at the scene. So any compromise of evidence or an evidentiary chain has, has absolutely nothing to do with Vets for Child Rescue. They came in, they filmed, they were hands off, they did their job professionally, and then Craig Sawyer contacted the FBI. So Alicia, and, Joe, yeah, and, and Craig did exactly what he was supposed to do. And, uh, yeah, he did. And another accusation I see. Somebody's doing something right yeah. here. It's, it's turned into a real mess. Uh, Alicia, can you comment on this? Were there 80 pairs of children shoes found at this location? That's what I, I, I read. Okay. I read that condoms there. There's sex lube there. There's uh, hair dye. Yeah. Lots, like dozens of boxes of hair dye. Uh, dolls, but they're not like pretty looking dolls that I would get my kid. They're like the vampire looking grungy emo dolls. Um, at least the foot in the photographs I've seen. I mean, what kind of homeless people are these? And also, I mean, when I was watching Veterans Under Control, I mean, this guy's been, uh, he's been Facebook brought, he's been live streaming, documenting everything he's doing on Facebook Live for the past week plus. And he had an encounter with a guy on a horse. I don't know if you all saw that. And it looks like the guy on the horse with the cowboy hat was a, he was an owner of this camp or he was a participant of this camp and really emphatically yelling at them to leave and threatening them. And that's an uh, interesting side of the story, Alicia, the, 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 the man in the cowboy hat and, and he later had another confrontation with, uh, with uh, Lawrence Arthur, the uh, the gentleman who heads up Vets on Patrol and who's doing all the Facebook live streams. Long story short, there's a family that lives on the property or adjacent to the property. There's the CMEX property. There's an Indian reservation. I believe it's to the west, to the northwest, if I'm not mistaken. And there's a family that lives there. And the family has gone on record. The 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 uh, elder Petrofamilia is the guy in the cowboy hat. His son is the younger kid with the crew cut hair and the and the t-shirt. And they are saying this is their story to vets on patrol and to Tucson PD that they had a friend who was homeless out in the bush and that they helped build up that that septic tank, you know, water cattle tank, whatever it is that's underground, that they put the logs over the top. This is all documented on Vets on Patrol's Facebook live stream. But what happened is, uh, inadvertently, that family's license plate was released to the public, and now the family is getting heat from from all points of the compass, people jumping the gun, uh, judge, jury, executioner, trying them in the court of Twitter opinion, and and uh, and so I, if the family's not criminally complicit, I do have a level of empathy uh, for them. But at the end of the day, Alicia, let me pass it to you on this one. What, if anything, have you been able to learn about the Tucson Police Department? We talked a minute ago about Mayor Rothschild, but where is Tucson PD, and why is it left up to a number of new media platforms, be it the Hagman Report, Gateway Pundit, etc., uh, to parse through this, why are the police not making regular statements? This is a big enough thing. There should be some press conferences, shouldn't there? Yeah, and they're just emphatically refuting the fact that this is even a crime scene. That this is there's no there, it doesn't warrant a criminal investigation. And as Sawman said, and, and we've had this conversation, the police uh, force has been laid off, cut by a third. Um, there's not enough uh, men on the ground. To even protect the people of the people of uh, Tucson, so I mean, it was go, like, I've experienced this already with going to the the, the uh, Metropolitan Police Department, the Homicide Force in Washington D.C. 
trying to investigate the Seth Rich murder and you just get no answers. You contact the FBI, they give you no answers. They won't release the ballistics report. When there's a government, when there's high-powered politicians involved, I mean, you're, you're dealing with a space that is basically Clinton Foundation property. Mm-hmm. Sum it up. Really, yeah. can expect the Democratic establishment to bury this story, to bury this case, if there was going to be any kind of uh, justice brought about, maybe the Veterans for Patrol shouldn't have been so loud about it and maybe staked the place out so yeah. we could actually see what's going on with that guy on the horse. Uh, but there's more. There are more of these. There's certainly more of these camps. I mean, I was just talking to a friend. We almost feel like going to the woods and seeing what's out in Virginia. They're probably in every state. We just drive past these the wooded areas on the freeway and we don't know what's in there. So, oh, God. If it, I mean, maybe not in Virginia, but definitely close to the border. There's, there's probably more of this stuff. I wouldn't even know where to begin an investigation. That's not, I write about politics and legislation. I just happened to stumble upon this the moment I looked up Pizzagate the other night. It's synchronicity. But the fact, it just once again shows there is a there there that the Democratic establishment, which includes Hollywood and the media, does not want us to discuss, talk about, or think about, and they're basically making it illegal to even bring these things up. Well, um, and if not, and if not illegal, they just shut us up by doing things like, oh, I don't know, uh, making our email accounts go defunct. I know that sounds conspiratorial and kooky, but Alicia, without naming names, you and I both are very well acquainted with people uh, who are having difficulty just sending and receiving email because Google and Facebook are compiling these lists of media influencers. They're doing everything they can to prevent us from utilizing the synchronicity that you just mentioned. Uh, I'm going to hand it to Joe, but my my, com- my final comment on this will be uh, on Sunday evening of last week, or Sunday uh, morning rather, Doug Hagman received information. I received information Sunday afternoon. We did our Patreon forum Sunday night, and Craig Sawyer was kind enough to text me. He, he returned a text with a, a, a quick appraisal of what he saw at this camp. And it was that same day. You and I had not uh, uh, chatted in, what, at least five, six, seven days at that time. And yet you were led to the story as well. And and as of just a couple of short days ago, the only two uh, reasonably prominent new media platforms reporting on this uh, for live broadcast and video stream, the Hagman Report, for the digital print world, the Gateway Pundit, gateway, the gatewaypundit.com. Joe? Yeah, and this is, uh, again, uh, I see a lot of people trying to label this as a conspiracy theory. Anytime you hear something called a conspiracy theory, you're going to want to look into whatever they're calling a conspiracy because it probably has a lot more truth to it uh, than not. And this is... A, you can't even ask a, tr- a question. Uh, what's that, Alicia? Look at, the footage. Look at the footage with your own eye. Yeah. And Solomon explained it on your show. Go back and listen to his interview. This big, deceptive tank that's buried below the ground that you have to basically walk through a tunnel to get to, covered in sticks. If a child were in there screaming for help, you wouldn't hear them. It's hot, so it's not comfortable enough for anyone to sleep in, and it's at an angle so that no one could curl up and sleep, as Salman said. I mean, this to 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 think that this is happening to two toddlers or five year olds or six year olds or any child, let alone an adult, 
is beyond beyond words to explain. It really breaks my heart if this is true. And to not what people need to not do is pass judgment so strongly on things they have no facts or ideas about. That's what liberals are synonymous yeah. with. That's that's what liberals do. That's why they, look, they just listen and believe, and they don't actually examine and research and investigate the truths and the history for themselves. Alicia. Thank you so much for joining us. We're out of time. I apologize for that. But check out Alicia's articles at the Gateway Pundit. Thank you so much, Alicia. You have a great night. All right. When we come back, we are going to be joined by debut guest Jonathan Hollerman. Uh, he is the author of the EMP series. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Back to this Wednesday edition of Hagman Report. Coming up, we have debut guest uh, Jonathan Hollerman, and he is the author, uh, the best-selling author of Survival Theory: A Preparedness Guide: How to Survive the End of the World on a Budget. Uh, and this is going to be a great segment, very informative, as we do like to talk about not only the problems in our societies, but also solutions to those problems. And if you are of the preparedness mindset, you need to be aware that the system that we live in is able to be basically shut off at a moment's notice and could be shut off anything from natural disasters to man-made disasters and any and everything in between. And if that were to happen today, right now, would you have the necessary knowledge and resources to be able to survive for any length of time, whether it be a week uh, or, or 10 years? And that is uh, something that uh, so many people today need to be mindful of because we're, the way we live, everybody's so compact in these cities. I mean, look at New York City and L.A. you got you know, millions of people, eight, five million people living in, you know, just a couple of hundred of square miles. And just imagine if something uh, were to happen that would cut off the supply chain. How would these people be able to survive? All the resources would be depleted within a matter of days. So it is so important that we are of this preparedness mindset and are fully aware of what we need to do in order to survive if something uh, crazy were to happen. We have with us Jonathan Hollerman. Jonathan, welcome to the Hagman Report. Hey, thanks for having me on, John. Uh, well, Jonathan, uh, we are so thrilled and pleased that you could be with us this evening. Now, for our listeners and viewers, you may be familiar with the name Jonathan Hollerman, uh, because he uh, recently just received an enormous blessing and uh, landed uh, front and center on the Drudge Report last weekend. And I was excited to see you there, Jonathan, because I have read uh, all three of the uh, the, the uh, preparedness fiction, prepper fiction, if you will, books in your EMP series. EMP, of course, means electromagnetic pulse, but in the case of Jonathan's work, it means equipping modern patriots. Now, uh, our guest, Jonathan Hollerman, is... Uh, he's got a great, interesting uh, background. First of all, he owns uh, Grid Down Consulting uh, here in Pennsylvania, and really not far from the Hagman Report Studios. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, about what he does to help families all over the country uh, get squared away. But he got his start with the U.S. Air Force uh, as a SEER, and uh, we're going to talk about that as well. And we titled tonight's show. Uh, survival, evasion, resistance, escape, because that's what the SEER acronym means. So with that being said, 
uh, hot off the presses of DailyMail.co.uk. Our debut guest, Jonathan Hollerman. Jump on in, Jonathan. Let's get started. All right. Hey, I'm happy to, to be on the show here tonight, and I'm looking forward to speaking with you fine gentlemen. Fantastic. Well, uh, let's, let's do this. Do you want to talk a, a little, let's, let's give people a little idea of who you are. Let's, let's unpack and extrapolate a little bit the, the SEER training first. Uh, I thought that was super fascinating when we spoke offline. Jonathan, this is, uh, this is training done by the Air Force and, and it makes, uh, grown men cry like babies within the course of five to six days. Yeah, so my job as a field instructor, as a SEER instructor, it stands for Survival Evasion, Resistance and Escape, like you mentioned, was to take pilots, navigators, essentially anybody that flies on a plane for their job. It was to take them out in the field and train them how to survive. They got shot down behind enemy lines. And so, I mean, you're teaching them the basic wilderness survival stuff, like how to build a shelter, how to build a fire, navigation, point-to-point navigation, using a compass, triangulation, things of that nature. And... Essentially, throughout the course of the training, we would transition it more into an evasion setting, uh, whereas if they're behind enemy lines, role-playing, and we would take all that information and transition it into uh, an evasion setting and teach them how to, to stay alive while staying hidden. Excellent. And uh, all these things are so important. You know, we, we always talk about the uh, where, where to begin, uh, water, food, and, and shelter. You know, you need water. You can survive for with with three up to three days. Food, three weeks, and shelter is is a necessity. Um, the need for the way we live as a society today, it is. Uh, how can you say this? It's a perfect recipe for disaster if a Absolutely. proper calamity were to happen. How do you think that you you write in detail in your books? How this is going to play out? Do you believe the the statistics that after an EMP one year, ninety percent of the population would not survive? Well, anytime you're dealing with statistics, there's always room for error, right? Right, uh, right. I do believe a large percentage of the Americans would die. Uh, we walk a knife's edge today. Every aspect of human life revolves around electricity. Uh, we just take it for granted. Mm-hmm. Even our grandparents at this point have grown up with electricity. The life skills and the tools needed to survive without electricity that information, that, that's long gone. That, that, those skill sets do not abide in the American populace today. So every aspect of human life revolves around technology. I mentioned in my book how when you go to the grocery store and you swipe a can of beans across the, the register there, there's a computer in that register that sends an email down to the uh, grocery store distribution center, and it says, hey, put another can of beans on the next truck. The distribution center sends an email to the canning facility, put another can of beans on the next truck. The canning facility sends an email to the farm in Mexico or wherever that grows the beans and says, put another truckload of beans on the next, you know, send them up here. So all that, all of that information travels electronically. The grocery stores don't have stock markets, uh, you know, big stock rooms that back in the back of the store anymore. They just don't. If you've ever gone to a grocery store and they were out of something, you ask them if they look in the back, they kind of look at you funny. And uh, there's just, it's on-demand food infrastructure that we live off of today. And if that's interrupted because of the, you know, we have a long-term loss of the, the electric grid, then there's going to be a massive loss of life. Because at the end of the day, we have 350 million Americans living on this land mass that we call America. And there's no way to feed that many people because just nobody really grows their own food anymore. 
about 100 years ago, 98% of the people grew at least some portion of their food intake. Today, it's less than 2% of the populace grow food for the other 98%. So, uh, without interstate trucking, and even if the, you know, there's a lot of questions on whether cars or trucking will function. Well, if the, the gas, the gas pumps aren't working, the street lights aren't working, uh, the, the trucks aren't going to be rolling anyway. So, the, the idea that you could feed 350 million Americans for an extended period of time without electricity, it just can't, it, it can't happen. It's just not going to happen. And uh, I think one of the things that a lot of people will say to me is, you know, they see these Hollywood movies where they've got flat-ton military trucks rolling down the road, passing out MREs. That's not going to happen either. Uh, FEMA has 6 million MREs uh, as backup at any given point in time, typically for a natural, disa- for a natural disaster. And that's not going to feed 350 million people for one day, right? So, and the the big thing that I always mention, so they have this idea that at some point the government's going to step in and help, okay? Uh, I've got a DOD report uh, that was that was given to Congress, that was made to Congress, trying to get mini nuclear mini nuclear reactors that are kind of like small batteries. They're not actually a, a, a nuclear reactor; it's a nuclear battery to power. Um, today's military bases, because the American people don't realize that 99% of United States military bases are wholly reliant on the civilian electric grid. In that report to Congress, they straight up say, if, if there's a long-term loss of the electric grid, we will not be able to respond to societal collapse or uh, social chaos. So the military is not coming in to, to save you. You know, uh, Jonathan, one of the... One of, I'm sorry, Joe, did you have something? No, go for it. One of the things that... Okay, so again, I read... Uh, all three of your books uh, in the Equipping Modern Patriot series. And uh, for a lot of our listeners and viewers, uh, they may want to exercise the option, as I as I did with a couple of them, uh, and you can get those on audiobook as well. Uh, I use uh, the Audible app. It's re- I, We don't have Aud- – Audible is not a sponsor. They were at one time, but uh, Audible, you know, it's uh, 10, 15 bucks a month, and you can get books like Jonathan Hollerman's. Uh, and you can listen to them, you know, while you're commuting or, or doing your housework or whatever. And that's, that's how I first got into the series. Now let's talk about that for a minute because, uh, our listeners and viewers know that, that I've read a lot of, of, of prepper fiction or what sometimes we call faction, a fictional, uh, plot paradigm that is, uh, built around the, the facts of how our society operates. And, uh, in your books, you have probably the most realistic approach to what I have always perceived society would devolve to, I would say than any other preparedness fiction I've read. And they really kind of stand in a category of their own as well because uh, I didn't find a lot of... I found good, tight uh, themes, but I didn't find a lot of irrelevant sort of uh, utopian ideology that would suggest that neighbors are going to kumbaya and help each other out, etc. And uh, one of the... Uh, the points that you make, and it seems like a lot of your plot devices and a lot of the struggle your characters go through kind of operate uh, in between these two polarities. And though those polarities are uh, when humans uh, begin to deal with starvation and desperation. Uh, with that, I'll clam up, Jonathan, and hand it back to you. Right, so that was <clears throat> one of my big takeaways from my SEER training was having that interaction with highly trained pilots and navigators and flight medics, highly trained soldiers, and watching how fast their 
psychological ability to, to make simple decisions on a daily basis. How fast that deteriorated when you take away most of their food, when you take away a, a lot of their sleep, when you put them in a stressful situation. So I, I watched as I carried students, and by day three or day four, I mean, this scenario was just tearing them apart. And I, and I, I mentioned uh, to John earlier that, you know, there probably wasn't a single class I carried where I didn't have a full-grown man at some point break down crying just due to the stress and the lack of food and the lack of sleep. So taking that away from my SEER training, uh, it, that didn't really stand with me at the time. So after I got a SEER, uh, I went to college and did a bunch of other things. I owned a small business, and I, I kind of stayed clear of politics for, for quite a while. I wasn't really interested. And before I read the book One Second After, and then I wrote, uh, uh, read James Wesley Rawls' Patriots. That, I mean, this was a long time ago when they first came out. And, uh, that kind of woke me up to the, the EMP scenario. So I really dug in. I did as much research as I could do. I read the EMP commission report. I just, yeah, I'm a researcher. I'm an entrepreneur, self-taught type of guy. And I just kind of tried to find any information I could find. Cause when I read those books, I was like, holy cow, this is crazy. Why isn't the media talking about this? Why isn't the American people aware of this, you know, existential threat to our country. So after digging in, I started reading other prepper fiction in the genre, in the EMP genre, and uh, I don't want to name anybody by names, and it was one of those things where I just had a hard time reading those stories because I I didn't feel like the, the authors that were writing the stories had any firsthand experience in a third world country feeding starving people. They didn't have any experience with desperate people, starvation, things things of this nature. And the scenarios that they were painting, I just didn't feel were very realistic. So that's what caused me to pen the first book, EMP, Equipping Modern Patriots, The Story of Survival. And uh, I wrote that. And, and the, the funny part is I wrote that thinking I'd sell like maybe 200 copies to my ex-military buddies. And uh, after about three weeks after it released, I was checking it each day, seeing how it was doing. And then I went to hunting camp, and I was gone for, I don't know, maybe like a week and a half. And when I came back, it sounded like 200 copies a day and it just kept going up and it hit the top 10 bestsellers list. And so that really opened my eyes to, you know, hey, my philosophy and what I believe and how people will react is really resonating with people. And, and I think part of that is because I, I did a lot in that research, I researched human psychology behind desperation and starvation. And Philip Zimbardo, he's a world-renowned psychologist. He did this 1970 Stanford prison experiment. If anybody gets a chance, I'd recommend his book, The Lucifer Effect. It'll really wake you up to um, his his whole life's work revolves around how good people can do evil things. Uh, he studied how the Germans went along with the, the Holocaust in, in Germany. He studied how an average, everyday Oklahoma farm boy could go to Vietnam and commit horrible atrocities. And, and, and what he found out is when there's no oversight, in other words, there's no law and order, and you put people in stressful and desperate situations, they're capable of anything. And most Americans in this, and a lot of the other people in my industry, have this idea that somehow America's different. We're different here for some reason. And, like, when something like this happens, everyone's going to just stand around, hold hands, and sing kumbaya, right? And it's just, it's not going to happen. Uh, they'll use instances like Hurricane Katrina. Well, look, we rallied around, we came down, and we, we helped all the desperate people down in New Orleans. Well, that's because there's some guy with Cheeto dust in his beard sitting on a couch somewhere watching it on the news. He's like, I got to get down there and help, right? 
he has a full belly. In an EMP or a long-term grid-down scenario, there's no rescue coming. There's no FEMA. There's nobody coming to bail you out. So um, I I really think this idea that everyone's going to work together, it's just it's it's not going to happen because, you know, you could take your average blue-collar Joe. Uh, you know, he goes to church every Sunday. He's the nicest guy in the world. But when he's hasn't been able to feed his daughter for three, four weeks, and he's watching this four-year-old little girl starve to death on his couch, and she's on her last, you know, she's on her last leg, basically. That man is a natural-born killer. He will do, he may beg and plead at first, but he will do anything to get his kids some food. Same with women. You know, mothers will get do anything to get their kids some food. And so this idea that you can work together if people are, you know, in such dire straits where they're starving to death, it's just, it's not going to happen. So that, that was kind of the premise behind my book. I uh, was painting a little bit maybe of a bleaker picture of a post-collapse scenario. Uh, Jonathan, we've been seeing in the news these stories of, uh, you know, the rich buying up all these uh, doomsday bunkers and, uh, and, and whatnot. Um, I want to ask you this. You, obviously, you are an expert in the field of preparedness. If people don't have the, you know, a lot, a lot of people don't have the resources to just go up and buy a bunker. What are some simple, common sense ways to get started? Uh, aside from just buying, you know, some extra food at the grocery store each week to put away, what are some of the uh, simple uh, tips that that people could uh, apply immediately? It will say in the face of of uh, a disaster or a situation where they might be in a survival situation. Sure. So preparedness, more than anything else, is a mindset. Okay, uh, and the key to that is education. So you have to you have to understand the threat. Uh, if you don't educate yourself and understand the threat, then your chances of survival plummet, regardless of how many supplies and everything that you have. So the first thing I would say is to dig in uh, the EMP Commission report. Read their read their report. Read some of this. Uh, Dr. Vincent Peter Pry has written a lot of great articles. Uh, you can you can research him and, and dig into this thread a little bit. So the first thing is understanding what human nature is, and it's not going to be all gumdrops and lollipops when something like this happens. And develop a plan of action. So one of the key things that I hear a lot is, you know, I, I don't have the financial resources for a multi-million dollar survival retreat bunker somewhere in, in, in the mountains. And I get that. I get that. Uh, a lot of my clients are in the, the same in the same setting. But if you resort to riding it out at home in the middle of an inner city where you have possibly millions of starving people or even thousands or tens of thousands of starving, soon-to-be starving people surrounding you, it's going to get a lot worse than you think it will. And then I hear a lot, well, you know, I'm going to ride out here till it gets so bad, and then I'm going to go to my Uncle Charlie's farm. Well, at that point, if, if it gets to the point where it's so bad at home, you, you don't need to be out on the open road traveling with your family. That's going to be a very dangerous situation. So one of my biggest recommendations is develop a plan of action to, especially if you live in a, in a town setting or a city, to get out of town immediately in the case of a grid-down scenario. Now, we're not talking about a financial collapse or pandemic that happens slower over time, but in the case of a grid-down scenario, uh, you, need, you need to realize that you have to get away from people immediately. Go to Uncle Bob's farm. Whatever the case may be, you just, if you're surrounded by 
tens of thousands, millions of starving people. It's not going to not going to end well for you. Yeah. Yeah, you can you can say that again. It's uh, it absolutely uh, you know when you think about preparedness, many people think of just their immediate uh, you know family or the people that they they live with and uh, interact with on a daily basis. But you have you know this whole community, and this really needs to be a community effort. What do you? How are ways people? I mean, people seem so reluctant to get involved, to change, to even uh, engage in in a preparedness type mindset. What are some of the tips you have to to get neighbors, communities involved and and more actionable on the uh, on the preparedness side? Sure. So I would focus more on family members and relatives than I would uh, community or I've heard this idea of getting together with your neighbors on a cul-de-sac, okay, mm-hmm. and joining forces and forming a security perimeter, which Depends on the size of the group. It's probably not going to work. And um, from there, the, the biggest problem I have with that is you could talk with your neighbors all you want, and they may just say stuff to, you know, kind of say, hey, I'm on board. But at the end of the day, you don't know if they put their money where their mouth is. At the end of the day, if you have 15 people on the end of your block that you're working with, and you're the only one that's put away years worth of long-term food, Guess whose food they're eating? Yours. And you're never going to make it through the first winter. You're never going to make it to harvest time uh, if you are working with a, a group of people that didn't prepare beforehand. That's a reason preparedness. You need to focus on yourself, your immediate family first. Get a plan of action for that. Then start incorporating family members. But mutual assurance group is, is what it's called in the industry. And try to put a, together a mutual assurance group with semi-friendly neighbors that may or may not be completely on board or as on board as they're letting out, That there's a lot of big risks involved with that. So uh, in my book, Survival Theory, so I guess one thing I would I would throw out is I wrote a book called Survival Theory. How, it's a preparedness guide, how to survive the end of the world on a budget. And I wrote that for people that can't afford a multi-million dollar retreat. Okay? It lays out plans of action for you as an individual and as a family where to take your family, how to survive, what to do if you don't have the money for a full off-grid survival retreat. Because to be honest with you, that's 95% of my clients. 95% of my clients are individuals, uh, businessmen, doctors, lawyers, professional athletes, people that have the money to build a fully stocked off-grid survival retreat. So that's most of my time is dealing clients with that. I, I fly all over, all over the country. I was in six different states the last four weeks doing reviews of existing survival retreats and I'll do an analysis I'll go through all their off-grid infrastructure their operational security, their long-term food, uh, basically every aspect of their survival retreat and make recommendations so that's a lot of my business but um, for people that don't, I guess I'll say something that a lot of people aren't going to want to hear but if you don't have a lot of money it's going to make it a lot more difficult to feed your family Okay, if you don't prepare beforehand it's going to make it difficult. It's not impossible, but you better have a plan and act, plan of action in place to get away from mass population centers when the time comes. Yeah. Wow. You know, Jonathan, uh, I, I've got my head is just, I've got questions pouring out of both ears uh, that I want to ask you, but for expediency's sake, because uh, there's nothing I'd like more than to, than to bring you back on occasion so we can really go through some of these, uh, because, you know, under the preparedness-minded uh, a topic. There are so many subtopics that themselves you can write entire books on. 
I, I was wondering, Jonathan, I know we got to speak a little bit today. Uh, we do share a mutual faith in, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, would you like to comment for a moment or two? We've got, uh, we've got about a good five minutes left. Uh, what's your take on the state of the American Christian Church today when you combine it with the idea of living a preparedness-minded lifestyle? Where is the remnant body of Christ, Jonathan? Wow, you really put my feet to the fire here. Um, <laughs> so as a as a Christian individual, as a Christian man, um, the last chapter of my book, Survival Theory, is called A Biblical Perspective on Preparedness. Now, there are essentially two camps that I find in the Christian church today. There is the camp of, uh, I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. I'm going to solely focus on today, which is biblical. And I'm not going to make any plans for tomorrow, and I'm going to trust 100% and rely 100% on God's miraculous provision when the time comes, okay? And I will never fault, I will never demonize anybody that takes that stance, right? I fall on the other side where I believe that, you know, you look at the story of Joseph and Egypt and preparing for the famine that was coming. If you are aware of a crisis that is coming, okay, and I don't know if it's going to be next week, two years from now, or 20 years from now, or never. Okay, I'm not a prophet. I'm not going to sit here and say that this is coming tomorrow. Okay, I try and scare people because the last thing you can do is operate your preparedness in a, in a mindset of fear. I get that question all the time. How do you live with all this? I, I don't worry. I don't worry. You know, I've got my Lord, Savior, Jesus Christ, and I, I'm going to deal with it when it comes. Right? I'm not, and you, and you'll never be fully prepared. It doesn't matter how much money you have, how much how much effort you spend into preparedness, you're never going to be fully there. There's always going to be things that you want to improve and get better at. But to ignore the potential that there's a long-term collapse coming or, or something where it could impact your ability to feed your children, right? I believe there's nothing crazy about putting some food away for your family and developing a plan of action for a worst-case scenario. So a lot of the same people that would that would take that stance of, you know, I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. I almost guarantee you they've got home insurance, they've got car insurance, they've got life insurance, they've got insurance on their electronics, they've got dental insurance, they've got all these insurances. And what those are is in the case of a rainy day, you're covered, right? So preparedness should be just another facet of that. I call it survival insurance. That's all you're doing is, is you're putting together a survival insurance policy for you and your family. And treat it like your life insurance policy. There's no reason to discuss it with anybody else. Nobody needs to know how much your life is worth on your life insurance policy. Nobody needs to know that you've got food in your basement for your family because at the end of the day, those types of people are going to be showing up to eat your food, right? So that's basically how I treat it with my clients. Uh, my philosophy is is prepare for the worst and hope for the best um, and then let God do the rest. Jonathan Hollerman, thank you so much for joining us. The interview, uh, went too quick. We're going to have to have you, have you back on. Folks, you can follow, uh, Jonathan at Grid Down Prepper on Twitter and check out the, the EMP series. Also the website, griddownconsulting.com. Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. We'll do it again. We'll be right back after these short messages. Don't go anywhere. Wednesday edition of the Hack.
Hagman Report. In our final hour, we're going to be joined by Pastor Casper McLeod. Uh, he's a very interesting guy. We've had the, the pleasure of meeting uh, a number of times at, at different conferences and events, and he was uh, a rocker at a professional level and uh, has a great story about uh, how the entertainment industry was using him to promote the uh, satanic agenda and how he found freedom uh, from that through his faith in Christ. And we're going to be talking about that as well as a, a number of, of other things. And you can go to his website, CasperMcCloudMusic.com, and we're going to bring him on in just a few moments. want to uh, bring your attention to HagmanReport.com. There are a few interesting headlines up there uh, that uh, you should be aware of. And also the Red Pill Expo, the banner that's up there, 15% off the price of admission with promo code HAGMAN. That's the Red Pill Expo in Spokane, Washington, June 21st through the 23rd, uh, just coming up in, in just a few weeks now. Uh, time is just going by so fast. So make sure you use promo code HAGMAN. You can get uh, 15% off the, the price of admission, and it's going to be uh, just one of the, the biggest events of the year as far as the uh, uh, alternative media and the number of speakers and ideas that are going to be there during this three-day event is going to be fantastic. So make sure if you can go and are able to go, you do so by using the promo code HAGMAN at the Red Pill Expo. Now, before we bring on Casper McLeod, I want to mention this story. It's up on Hagman Report. I mentioned it earlier, but we should give it a little more detail. Andrew McCabe seeks immunity for Senate testimony. The former deputy director of the FBI, Andy, Andrew McCabe, is seeking immunity in order to testify before the Senate Judiciary Committee, according to the documents released Tuesday. This is a textbook case for granting use of immunity. Michael uh, Bromwich, an attorney for McCabe, wrote Monday in a letter to Republican Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa, the chairman of the Judiciary Panel. Mr. McCabe is willing to testify, but because of the criminal referral, he must be afforded suitable legal protection, his attorney said. Accordingly, we hereby request that the Judiciary Committee authorize a grant of use immunity to Mr. McCabe. Now, how interesting is it, after McCabe was fired in March uh, for lack of candor, that in order to testify in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee, he needs immunity. There is a lot, I believe, that we don't know. Hopefully it will come out in this IG report. But you see things, uh, you know, leaking out slowly. James Comey, not only, uh, you know, did he uh, use lack of judgment or lack of candor, but willfully uh, disobeyed or, or was disobedient uh, according to the IG report and also now that McCabe is asking for immunity, what is it that he could be testifying to? I, I, so Gons mentioned the the sealed indictments, the talk that there are thousands of sealed indictments that uh, you know President Trump is going to be systematically arresting all these uh, you know deep state swamp type people. I don't know that to be true, and, and it, just by uh, what I see, and until I see something more, I'm going to have this view that. Uh, you're going to have a few of these sacrificial people hung out to dry in order to protect the rest of the criminal lot. And hopefully that's not the case, but that's the way I see this going down. But it'll be interesting to see what the Inspector General report will uh, show about the conduct of Andrew McCabe, James Comey, and other FBI officials. Absolutely. that's. I mean, we're waiting almost with bated breath. And, and uh, just so our listeners and viewers know, 
Uh, we are definitely doing our homework. We're getting our ducks in a row. Uh, we're lining up the reporters with whom we work and, and also, uh, getting, making new acquaintances with some new voices as well. So when that report drops, we're going to have comprehensive coverage. We'll have Doug Hagman, uh, back in the, the chair where he rightfully belongs. Real quick, Joe, I know we've got Pastor Casper. When Gons uh, Shamura was with us, I uh, uh, referenced Billy Crone's new book, and I got the title almost right, but Billy Crone was kind enough to send us a copy of the book. I went and shagged it out of the library. Uh, the book is Drones, Artificial Intelligence, and the Coming Human Annihilation, and this is the book here, uh, and we're going to have uh, Billy Crone on this upcoming Monday, uh, and he's got 90 minutes with us, so he's got plenty of time, uh, Joe and viewers, to uh, to get into his new book and unpack that. But Billy Crone's such a good guy, I didn't want to butcher the title and just let it go. So little course correction there. Uh, Pastor Casper, uh, hello, sir. Hello. Delighted to see you again. Well, we're delighted to have you. Well, hello to everyone out there, all, everyone, and uh, great to be back. And, you know, as I'm listening to the program tonight, I'm here in the uh, digital green room, as it were, <laughs> listening to all this and uh, great show by the way um, I, I wanted to say too that I saw me and I, I got to spend some time with him when I was doing a conference with uh, I think it was with you yeah with, in Chicago yeah with um, Pastor Paul Bagley and I got to hang out with with Craig Dunn what a great man I mean it's just you know, we need more like him so yeah absolutely and uh, yeah we did that, that was uh, already 13 months ago it was a year ago uh, this last May that we were, we were all out there and, uh, uh just how time flies. But, um, Pastor Casper, it's great to have you on. I know that you have, uh, have been on the show before. You've told your story of, uh, your career in music and how that transitioned into your faith and, and what you are doing today. Um, since the last time you, you came on, we've have seen, uh, just an absolute increase in the insanity, or what some people call insanity, what I call evil, uh, and, and we see this more, you know, rabid form of evil coming out where we're seeing Christianity, Christians, we're seeing conservatives, just uh, the, the attacks, the viciousness, uh, that we see in the public and, and by the media and, and the entertainment industry, it seems to be increasing. Um, what is going on here? Do you think that we as a society, uh, because of this uh, throwing God out and uh, seeing this this wickedness being embraced, that this is empowering evil and this is uh, manifesting from people, you know, at, starting to just act insane. I, that's a great question, and I think that most people are looking at this equation and going, things are falling apart. I mean, we, there's plenty of difficult situations we might address tonight. I mean, this it's a fallen world, no matter which way you turn. And maybe, you know, somebody out there even dealing with a difficult situation in their own life. Maybe they're dealing with the loss of a loved one or some troubled relationship, business, health issues. I mean, lots of stuff going on. People are tuned into Radio Devil a lot, those frequencies. Maybe they've been discouraged by the naysayers and the, we got Tokyo Rose type doom and gloomers of today. I mean, obviously we're living in unprecedented times, but I think we're looking prophetically, we're, we're looking at things coming together, not falling apart. I mean, yeah, we're observing um, the drones, you know, Billy Crone's Crum, uh, doing a great job on that one. We've we got the CERN, the D-Waves, nanobots, artificial intelligence. I mean, that's just incredible what's going on with that. The neuro-lace, um, transhumanism, the deep state. And you guys are doing a great job in exposing a lot of this stuff. I mean, when you do that, and you're talking about the secret societies and DARPA and HARP and 
chemtrails, you're hindering the work of the enemy by exposing it, putting, putting the light on it, right? When you turn the light on, darkness vanishes. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a managed agenda going on. Um, we're looking at Europe. Um, I mean, it's incredible what's going on there. It's like becoming a police state, right? Um, and I think it's, it, again, we're looking at a, um, a Hegelian dialectic, which is manipulating people into a particular patterns of thoughts and actions and, um, or observing the, the, the plans. Uh, you think about it. I mean, the historical events happen by mere accident, or you know, uh, we hear by mere chance, right? Je- Jeremiah um, one five says, you know, before I formed thee in the, in the womb, you know, I knew you, I ordained you as a prophet for the nations, even before you know Jeremiah was born. So it's obviously, we apply that to the rest of us. And um, so we got all this crazy stuff going on. Yeah, there's a new world order coming. That's obvious. The Lord Jesus, Christ of Nazareth, Messiah Yeshua, is coming to put the world back in order. Um, he tells us nothing secret, you know, won't be made manifest. So there's these agendas being played out right now. You, and then it's, you think about it, we've got those on the left and those on the right, and somehow they still seem to be moving toward the same destination. What's with that, right? And in the process, we're seeing a lot of freedom eroding. Um, I should mention, I, while we're here, um, last November I, I was back in the UK ministering and uh, I, there was a guy that had contacted me that worked, he was a former detective with New Scotland Yard. He had a sign of secrecy act to, to leave New Scotland Yard. And um, so he'd been following me and Ali Mazuli for a while and contacted me several times and we got really chummy, you know, talking over the couple of years and so we, we met and um, LA was kind of pushing me, you know, like get an interview with him. And I'm thinking, how's that going to happen when he had to sign a secrecy act? So he agreed, he, you know, trusting me as a pastor that I would, you know, be very careful with his identity. And the first thing he tells me is if people actually knew what was going on, um, of course he's what's going on in the UK, but that's the same stuff here around the world. He said if people actually knew what was going on, they'd all start paying taxes today. And it's that incredibly corrupt. But you got the Segillian dialectic, you know, it's, it's, um, it, it's, it's a horrific, you know, thing that's going on. The, the people that aren't buying into the official narrative, right? Um, it, it, it influenced Marx and, and Engels, uh, the, give the world the, the, you know, communism stuff, the political structures and all. But nevertheless, I want people to think about this tonight. Is anything too difficult for God? I mean, it tells us in Ephesians 3.20, now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we would ask or think according to the powers that work within us, right? So, in other words, I mean, I'd like to get people refocused. I mean, there's so much doom and gloom, but like, think about how the Lord took a couple unlikely people, a couple of smelly old fishermen, and he powered them, he commissioned them to go heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, right? He sent out the 70, they came back with the same kind of testimonies, and then he sent the rest of us every Christian in every preceding generation. Um, he, he fed over 5,000 people with a, you know, a couple of loaves of bread and a couple of fish. And they had plenty left over, 12 baskets left over. Um, he, I don't think the Lord wastes anything in this, in his economy, except maybe in those 2,000 swine, making the first double dam in history. But I digress. Um, so I, I think we're going to keep it in perspective, right? Um, he's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. And, and yeah, I, I get it. You know, with the with the EMP thing, it's it's a real threat. Um, 
Joseph appeared, right? You know, if that does happen, there'd be no phone, no lights, no motor cars, not a single luxury, like Robinson Crusoe, right? Um, except, you know, let's say you're Amish, and then it probably won't make any difference. You won't notice. <laughs> but, I mean, the Lord just, I mean, we're still seeing miraculous stuff. I mean, I've seen so many people miraculously healed over the years of being in ministry. Um, there's nothing impossible with God. He's got his handle on this, right? I, I do think we should be aware of what's going on. Um, we, we talked about earlier in the, in the program with Gonzo about, you know, the, the whole extraterrestrial thing, the great deception that's unfolding here. Um, I, I think there's something very strange going on um, that we need to understand, like, um, you know, what's happening with the whole discovery of Osiris, um, Nimrod, um, of course, Nimrod, who built the, the Tower of Babel, which is now probably the modern-day internet, um, you know, they found that in Iraq in 2003, uh, the discovery is part of his joint skeleton. Um, we got this whole transhumanist thing. I mean, so there's a lot of pieces of the puzzle, which is, you know, one of the things I love doing these conferences, like when we got to do it with you, is we, we all bring a little beast, put it together and stand back, get perspective, and we see that the Lord's returning. I mean, all this stuff is playing out just the way um, he said it was going to play out in the end days, right? As in the days of Noah. So, um, anyways, that, that was a mouthful. I didn't mean to go <laughs> ranting on like that, but no, it, 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 it's good. And and uh, let me ask you this, Pastor, because you talked about you know all the doom and gloom, the negative things that we uh, cover so often. Uh, on the positive side, the what we've seen with the Christian church, you know, we talk about how. Uh, the the Christian church here in America has really uh, conformed to the world rather than to the scriptures and the decline that right. we have seen in these churches. But one thing we know for sure that uh, after uh, Jesus was resurrected, he gave the power of the Holy Spirit to the apostles and to the church. And that power has never uh, left the church except for the church abandoning it. How do we, as the true church, uh, get back to that power. Is it is it is it the discipline of faith and prayer? Uh, because it seems that that's one of the most important things missing from the church today is that uh, supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. I, I think you're absolutely right about that. Um, I, I've asked the question in, in many conferences: Are we impacting the church today, or is, is the church impacting the world, or is the world impacting the church? Rather, um, obviously, you know, you're right. You, People have been conforming. I mean, we got the supernatural church on one side, and then we got the superficial church, which is very, very popular. Which is what you know we, it, it said would happen. And um, in fact, I, I, I think if um, I recall, wasn't it um, um, John Booth? It, it, it said something about in, in the um, the next generation what he feared would would, would be how um, the being you know Christianity without Christ. Um, the Holy Spirit, you know, being devoid of, of the church at that point. So, yeah, it's a real issue. Um, and I think because the church will not, you know, they won't address things like UFOs and, and I mean, it's in the scriptures, but okay. Um, they won't address the transhumanist stuff, the artificial intelligence. And so what, what are the young people doing? They're going and, and they're looking for power and they're watching the alien channels and, and, the, and the, the films. They're being you know, with a managed agenda. It's propaganda, right? Um, so we've got to do that. We've got to step up and, and, and reconnect. 
with the, the integrity of the first century church, with, with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I, I've taught this a, a number of times um, in, in conferences. It's, it's a life-changing moment for people. I, I think, you know, what you were talking about the resurrection reminded me of how, you know, um, another mighty miracle. I think people sometimes, they, they think, well, God isn't answering, you know, my prayers the way I think they should be answered. You know, where is God in this? And then the struggle along sort of overcoming. And, you know, when you, when you get a mindset, I'm going to overcome, you, you change the whole biochemical reaction inside you. But that's another story for another time. So we got um, you know, Martha and Mary, um, they're, they're sending a message, you know, Jesus, come heal our brother. He's, he's sick and he's dying. Come. And I think maybe because there's situations that are going on in your own life, in this world, God is waiting because he's going to do something even beyond what we can hope and imagine, right? He shows up, and, and, he, and um, was it Martha is the first to meet him and says, you know, if you'd only been here, uh, my brother wouldn't have died, you know, and, and he gives her one of the greatest theological lessons in the entire Bible. He goes, I am the resurrection and the life, and he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet he shall live. And then a few minutes later, the other sister, Mary, essentially says the same thing to him, and, and, and she comes and she worships him. She falls down at his feet, right? And she's worshipping, saying, if you'd only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And, and instead of another theological lesson, this time the Lord Jesus weeps. He walks over the tomb and he commands his Lazarus spirit to come back into his body. And Lazarus spirit obeys and comes out of the tomb. I mean, think about it. It, it tells us like in First Corinthians 2.9, that it's written, eyes not seen, nor ear heard, neither Entered in the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. So if he's the same yesterday, today, forever he is, as the true disciples you can't lose, right? Even whether we live or die with the Lord's. Um, and the kingdom of God isn't, you know, meat and drink and but righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. And it's not you know, yeah, be prepared. Noah was a prepper. We we gotta be prepared for these times. But I think understanding how much Jesus truly loves you helps you understand how much God loves everybody else. And so I, I tell people quite often, you know, ships don't sink because of the water around them. Ships sink because water gets inside them. So it's like, you know, better not to let what's happening around you get inside you and sink you down, break you apart, right? You know, instead of focusing on the wind and the waves, focus on the Word of God. Get in the Word of God so the Word of God gets into you. Yeah, that that's absolutely right. And we need to be more disciplined, at least myself personally, uh, you know, we get distracted by so many things and, and, and things that seem important at our current uh, time and, and place. Yet when we do take a step back and look in the grand scheme of things, uh, you know, just looking along of news headlines that even stuff we talk about and report on, uh, you know, how many of these headlines do we remember a year, two years later? Uh, you know, less than 1% of them, I'd say. So I, I wonder, you know, everything can be used as a tool for not not only good but also evil and i think that you know the the speed and and uh, huge increase in information we see is also used uh, as evil we have so much we're, we're just bombarded with so much information but what you just said you know we have to to stick to the scriptures this is something that is so uh, fundamental yet it is lost on us because of you know this huge increase in knowledge and in daniel it talks about this that you know technology and knowledge will increase, but it never says wisdom increases. And I see that as a, as a huge problem. So weeding out, uh, things that we get distracted by, 
I guess it would be a good start, at least for myself, to, to have a more uh, disciplined uh, uh, spiritual walk. I, we, we can't, that's great, that's a great observation. Um, I, as you're saying, I'm thinking, we, we can't you know, control all the events in the world, we can't control the circumstances around us, but we can control how we deal with them as a child of God. You know, scientific research has revealed how most all sicknesses and diseases begin in our thought life. The world is sick, the church is sick, right? And the Holy Spirit, the, the Holy Scriptures revealed to us thousands and thousands of years ago, numerous verses, you know, how to control our thought life. Um, so I've done that a, a lot in um, conferences and people coming up and saying, this, this was life changing. Uh, I can't remember how many times people come up at the end and they tell me something like that. Uh, especially during the, um, like we're doing a conference this weekend with Dr. Mike Spaulding, Russ Distar, and Coach Dave up in uh, Lima, Ohio at the um, uh, Calvary Chapel there. And then we've got another one in Long Island in August, the, the night with here, the Watchmen. And I mean, I, I, I just love doing these because you really get to, you know, interact with people and see the Lord doing miraculous stuff. Uh, Pastor Casper, so, just, qu- just quickly, if I may, because Pastor Spaulding's a, a dear friend of mine and the program, uh, SoaringEagleRadio.com, uh, SoaringEagleRadio.com or at SoaringEagleRadio on Twitter. Uh, if you want to attend the conference, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Pastor Casper, but the conference is free, and it, I mean, it, my goodness, uh, you're going to be there. I know Russ is going to be there. Russ Dizdar, ShatterTheDarkness.net. Yeah. Uh, this is a great opportunity for people to come together, and I mean, my goodness, the price is right. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's um, Doctor Spaulding's an, an amazing man. I'm uh, he's he's my younger brother. <laughs> I just adopted him. Um, what what an amazing guy, great guy. Just he's got such a heart to serve. I mean, we need more pastors like him, and you know, Russ and Coach Dave, and I mean, all those guys, I and. Mean, I, I'm just absolutely amazed that the Lord lets me minister alongside these 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 men of great faith. But yeah, I, I would encourage people to come out. Um, I, I think it is live streamed, is it not, over the um, Eagle um, Radio there? So do tap, check it out. Um, I think what I was going down the, the pathway here. Uh, uh, actually, every thought we have travels down the path of faith, or a path of fear and and you know the reason like the news um people i remember in england when i was a, a kid they um they had um, um a, a show called you know good news or something i mean they were gonna like just broadcast really wonderful stories and stuff and nobody watched it <laughs> I, I think there's and there's a reason because the self-preservation we want to know the you know the ugly and the bad and all that stuff going on so we can prepare and protect ourselves and our families, our loved ones. So, um, you, and it's important. You're right. I mean, the the, the whole the holy guidebook of the supernatural tells us both good and bad. I think that's not the problem of the church today. They only want to just focus on the love of Jesus. Don't want to talk about the devil and eternal hellfire and any of that stuff, right? Yeah, I mean, but we we are supposed to take control of our thought. There's all thirty thousand to seven thoughts, yeah. Yeah, there's two, two, uh, well, there's three trains of thought, but, uh, the two extremes, you know, there, there seems to be a faction that, uh, won't focus on any of, of what you just said, you know, that they, they won't focus on the conviction, on the sin, only on the love part. And then you have the other side that focuses solely on, you know, the prophecies and, 
you know, extra biblical stuff and, and, and the dark forces. And then you have, uh, you know, I guess you'd call it a well-balanced, uh, Christian and to know and understand the evil, but, but also to be, uh, faithful to the Lord. And it is, uh, you know, a, a tightrope. As I said just a, a mo- few moments ago, it's so easy to get distracted. I don't know how many times I found myself, you know, reading some, uh, a book, whether from the 17th century or, or from 10 years ago that, you know, I get 10 pages in and you see some term or something and you go and search that and then you're down this other rabbit trail and before you know it, you forgot about the, the book you started reading. But that happens so frequently. It, it's, uh, you know, it, it's the, the curiosity gets the best of you. But, uh, you know, that foundation is, is so important when we read in, I think it's Matthew 13 where it's the, the parable of the, uh, the, the sower in the field. It talks about the, uh, people who, who are not rooted and when the wind blows, they, they fall into the stony places and, uh, because they have no root, they have no foundation. And that is what we need to do as far as our, our spiritual life is to build that foundation. Uh, and that's, that's where it all starts. So it starts with the, uh, you know, your relationship with Jesus, your prayer life and, and the, uh, reading of scripture. And, uh, you, you do those basic things. That is the foundation of faith. It absolutely, we're supposed to be, you know, not conformed to this world, but be transformed, the renewing of your mind, improve what is good, acceptable, perfect will of God. So, you know, simplify, again, you know, every the thought we have has to go down the path of faith or fear. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't say that lightly because I, I know there's a lot of hurting people out there everywhere we look, especially in, in ministry, we, we deal with that a, a lot. Um, there's a view when we, where we turn, you know, they've got battles. We all got to do these battles, especially in the, in the spiritual realm. Um, you know, our minds are, um, our minds are designed to, to analyze information and then it triggers previous memories, which generate, you know, again, between 30,000, 70,000 thoughts a day. A day. And, and, you know, what I think you're talking about, I mean, God's always have a remnant church. He's always has his remnant. And, um, so, you know, some of the thoughts you have are your own, some are God-inspired, and, and others are, you know, coming in from the, the kingdom of darkness as frequency. Um, and, and now we got, you know, um, mind-controlled technologies that are being employed. It's like a, a Trojan horse here. Um, of course, God said, you know, uh, you can give a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind, but fear can be a spirit. And, you know, seriously, um, there's um, you obviously know about it, right? Yeah, but, Technologies the military is employed uh, where they can project voices into somebody's head and um, they, they would think they're having a spiritual encounter, right? They, they, they won't know that it, this is a technology. I mean, the, the devil's been using that technology from the beginning in the garden. But um, that reminds me of, you know, Proverbs 25, 28 says, he that has no rule over his own spirits like a city that's broken down without walls. You know, you guys know I live on a small horse farm and you know, if I, I didn't have any walls and fences up, my horse would just go anywhere it wanted and leave a mess anywhere it pleased. So, um, so it is. We can't just let anything come in through our, our thoughts. I think this is the time for people to prepare and, and, and get your thought life, um, in tune with the Word of God. So. Absolutely. Uh, it, it is, uh, Pastor Casper. And, um, you know, what we see, uh, what, what we see as far as the church, what we were talking about, uh, with, uh, Gonzo was the fact that the church has, has become apostate. The church has conformed to the world and not to, uh, the foundations and, and not to the scriptures and doctrines that, 
uh, it's supposed to. Uh, and this has led so many people astray. And, you know, from the prosperity gospels to these, uh, uh, preachers, uh, that, uh, as you say, focus only on the, the one aspect is leaving a, a huge void in the Christian churches and in the, in the Christian faith. Uh, what are some of the things that you do to reach out to people who might be stuck in what is called churchianity, where it's this kind of lukewarm, uh, I go to church on Sunday and that's the beginning and end of my faith. What are some of the things you do to reach out to people um, and and to try to bring them back into the fold? Well, I, I think when we look at the, like the book of Acts, which is a continuing book, right, um, and, and, and thousands of people got saved in one day. How did that happen? They saw a demonstration of the true power of the gospel. Um, today, a lot of that's missing in church. It, it's a social club. You get together, you know, you sing a couple of nice songs, whatever they're doing, and they're all kind of interacting. And some churches are just, you know, a nice place for people to hopefully meet someone and date. I mean, <laughs> they're not preaching the gospel at this point yeah. in a lot of places, sad to say, right? Um, they're not evangelizing. They're not doing what they should be doing. That they, they've they've gone uh, another. You know, it, it says in the last days. You know, some of the part from the faith, keeping heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devil. We're seeing that played out. What I've done is I'm just trusting God. Um, I've I, I've lost track of how many miraculous things that have happened. There's a um, a guy that um, let me just share a quick testimony. There's a man named Hubie Sin who's uh, operates in the gift of prophecy um, we have a rock and roll connection he was friends with the guy that built an amplifier for me called the train wreck Kenny Fisher, you know, the late Kenny Fisher and, um, I, I didn't really know Hubie at the time but he called me up and asked me um, his wife was um, desperately ill with uh, gestational diabetes with um, I think the fourth child and he asked me if I would minister to her so um I didn't know anything about it, never spoke to it before, and I, I, I told her the only thing, you know, that I haven't been able to figure out how to do over the phone is water baptize somebody. But with the technology that we've got in place today, that could probably happen. I used to say that jokingly, but then the last conference I did with here, the watchman, Pastor Paul Begley, actually did that with a guy in Australia's family, so <laughs> did it over Skype. <laughs> um, but I, I met this woman. After a few moments, I realized she was Asian. Her father gave her away because she was female. Um, I mean, imagine the rejection of that. I mean, that's where you know the, the heartbreak and, and, and the abandonment and all the rest of it, which um, was contributing to it. So you know, medically, there's, that's what they would consider incurable. So I ministered to her on the phone for about an hour. She was a Christian. She was a good Christian lady involved with the church. And at the end of the hour, I I prayed for her, and God uh, did a tremendous miracle and healed her. They went to the doctor um, the next day, and it was confirmed the diabetes vanished out of her body. So, um, you know, just ministered the Father's love to her. Um, so I think, you know, that's what needs to be done here. Um, I mean, it, it, miracles are great. You know, they last for a lifetime, healing miracles, but, um, you know, a, a, tr- a true transformed heart for God lasts for, for eternity. So... I, I try to explain a lot. I think one of the major components um, of what is going on today is people not understanding their thought life. And so, you know, again, they're, they're just letting any kind of thoughts come in and out, um, not understanding that not every thought you have is your own, and don't believe everything you think. So your heart, for example, it, it acts like a mini brain. It's got like um, 40,000 neurons in it. So 
Um, if you speak things out but your heart's not in it, you know, like the Lord says, if, if you forgive from your heart, you know, God will forgive you. If you don't forgive, then God cannot forgive you. If He cannot forgive you, it's Matthew 18, then how's He gonna, you know, heal you and bless you, right? So if your heart's not in it, then the heart's going like, hey, we can't comply with this request. There's no congruency. And then your kidneys get into it. Um, they act, uh, they, they act like another brain. The left kidney assesses a situation. And based on how the situation's framed, the left kidney's going, you know, um, I don't know how we can move forward. So the right kidney's going, we can't move forward. We have no strategy here. We're stressing and the releasing stress hormones. Um, but if you do it like, hey, I don't know how it's going to work out, but nonetheless, I'm going to trust God, right? And then your kidneys will go, wow, okay, we're going to release that molecule of joy, which is, um, they've isolated as, 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 as a chemical called DHEA. And then your heart, will release a chemical called ANF, which carries the emotion of peace. Remember, Jesus said, I'm going to give you supernatural peace. Not as the world gives, but as I give. So this is what's going on. I, I think that, that we need more understanding in the church on, on, on taking your thoughts captive. This is, you know, Second Corinthians 10, 10, 5. Um, so I feel like I preach on that all the time. Anyways, well, just yeah. encourage people to, you know... What we're talking about, all, all these distractions and Focusing on all the, all the negative things, I guess one of the, uh, where you would start is what you just said, you know, taking all your, your thoughts captive. Uh, this is, you know, the beginning stages of, of having that disciplined mind that, uh, will allow you to focus and, uh, not, you know, be swayed, uh, by distractions, whichever way the wind blows. And it is so important today that, uh, these distractions are only going to get worse. The deceptions are only going to get worse. We have seen the transformation at least 10, 20 years ago. The mainstream media and the entertainment industry used to at least fake the, the morality. Now we have seen that completely flip to where they are promoting immorality openly and blatantly. Uh, what do you, do you think this is as big as, uh, it doesn't seem like it's really making a lot of headlines as it is its own headline, but do you think that this transformation that we have witnessed in the media is is an indicator of the times we live in? Do you think this is going to revert back to how it was, or is this, is this just going to continue to get worse? Well, I, I like the, the thing the church is getting together and praying, and God said, if you know my people call by my name and pray, he would heal the land. And, and I, I think we need to be doing that and trusting him at his word. You know, when I was growing up as, as a young musician, I mean, we had the Beasles, they just wanted to hold your hand. And then the Rolling Stones came along and they wanted to actually sleep with you, you know, spend the night with you. So it's gone downhill ever since. Um, and I, I, I was looking at a study the other day, you know, why, why does um, the music today um, not have the same standard? Um, it, it's, it's kind of like, you know, people and computers cutting up stuff so the musicianship is really you know on a graph you can see scientifically it's gone way down where where are the Beethovens and the Mozarts you know and the, those great creative um, bands you know, from the time when we were we were teenagers and all um, I, I, I think I just want to encourage people that you know that God gave us a gift of music it's a, it's a gift of communication um and I think we need to be able to, to try um, different things instead of even the Christian, you know, music industries got themselves into a little box, right? Everything has to sound. It almost sounds like in you know, a lot of music you listen to Christian radio, it sounds like the same band with different singers, right? 
It's the same producers. I mean, they're all trying to sound the same. <laughs> Brother, I, I'm so glad you said that, and I've got to be careful. I don't know if my dad's watching this one tonight or not, <laughs> but uh, having grown up in that world, it, it they put they put the capo on the guitar, and it's an A, and E, or a G, and we're off to the races, and it sounds like the same band but with different singers. Yeah. Uh, Pastor Casper, there's been something on my heart lately. I'd like to uh, kind of shift gears a little bit, if that's okay with you. Okay. And what it is is uh, a conversation that I had uh, just just a, a few days ago. I, I was going through a little a little period of uh, feeling a little disconcerted, a little discombobulated uh, over the last maybe two weeks. And, uh, and in speaking with uh, Pastor Spaulding, he explained to me that in the book of John, uh, we are informed that, that a new Christian will, uh, will repent and they will have a truly repentant spirit. And we, so as we went through this, this model in the book of John, we talked about our perception of, of where we think a lot of people may be today. And granted, it's, it's anecdotal, but we, we were doing our best. So, so you're to you're to repent and then and then maintain a repentant spirit, and then you're supposed to become a a uh, if I remember the the verbiage correctly, Pastor Casper, a a vessel of holiness. Now, I under, if I understand it correctly, that's an asp that's a spiritual aspiration. There's you're, you're never going to make it across that that ribbon, so to speak, but that's what you're striving toward. Uh, I'm curious your opinion on this. Do you think a lot of the church today here in in America and perhaps over in England too for that matter uh have have they failed to graduate past that that initial repentance state has the sanctification process become stymied and then the second part of the question is if it has are people replacing the sanctification that we're supposed to be experiencing day by day bringing us Closer to this this idea of a, a vessel of, of God's holiness, are they replacing it with the news of of the day, with the corruption, and really what what really is Satan's handicraft? Well, those are excellent questions. Um, first thing, you know, the, the scriptures tell us that the, a lot of the church is on milk when they should be on meat, right? So people have been in church. Maybe they've been there, you know, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday, and they're very involved, and yet they're still on milk. Fifty years later, they're still on milk. One of the job descriptions of being born again, spirit-filled Christian, is to help lead others into salvation. That is part of your, you know, job description. And yet, we find statistically that um, most Christians today have never led one person into faith. I mean, there's something quite wrong with that. And to me, the second part of your question reminds me of the story of the parable of the wheat and tares, right? Um, and they both look at like wheat and tare. Um, they grow up. The enemy has done this, right? He's, should we rip them out? They come and tell the master, should we, we rip out the tare? No, you might, you might, you know, take one of the wheat with it. Meaning again, how much the Lord, um, doesn't want even one person to perish, right? Um, it's a, it's an incredible parable, and I think what we're looking at is, uh, you know, it's kind of gets, you know, I'm sure it sounds fantastic, but for your audience, they can handle it. Um, we're we're looking at counterfeit people. We're looking at the, this parable goes so much deeper, um, and I think that's what's going on in the church. We've got 
uh, people uh, from the kingdom of darkness that have infiltrated a lot of churches. And so, you know, when you look at um, counterfeit money, you know, if you, if you don't know what genuine money looked like, how are you going to know the difference? And the same thing. Um, I had a had a hay delivery um, about a year ago, and they spilled some hay in the garden. Well, I guess it was two years ago. And, and it looked like corn growing up, so I left it alone. But it wasn't corn. It was something called Johnson grass, and the horses don't want to eat that. Uh, but it looked just like corn for a long time until the end. Well, like wheat um, grows a, a, has a head, and, it, and it, when it's ready for harvest, it, it, it bends over in submission, um, where the, the tares just, you know, proudly just stand there with no head. So I think that's kind of symbolic of what's going on here today in this world. But, um, you know, you got a GMO, um, the genetic, genetically modified organisms, right? But they've infiltrated the churches today. We've got genetically modified churches. Um, and, and so I think that's, you know, something we, we need to talk about. We need, we didn't talk about that and, and understand. It. Yes, um, indeed. You know, I know, oh, I'm sorry. Finish your thought, Pastor Casper. I was just going to say, like, you know, we're, the saying goes, um, you know, one rotten apple spoils the barrel, um, because it, 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 it gives off, um, kind of, I think, uh, what is it called? Ethanol glass, um, is a substance that, that make it ripen, so the moldy apple is going to look for, you know, another source that, that continues spreading that, you know, decay. And that's what's going on, right? That's why new parents that keep good company, and, you know, there's it, it, a lot of truth in it. So. So one of the things that 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 uh, I I found personally beneficial um, and, and still do today, but but certainly back in maybe 2013 2014, when I was trying to make sense of everything and still working in Hollywood back then too, uh, and and it came to me. Uh, well, I won't go into the story. The Lord kept me up all night one night, and I, I really needed to get to sleep because I was traveling the next day. And I didn't sleep a wink. So I was on a plane. I'm on two planes and I'm trying to figure this out. But the Lord was, was speaking to my heart. And, and he told, he showed me that, that Satan is the master counterfeiter. And that simple message, Pastor Casper, has enabled me to see things more clearly, to perhaps have sharper discernment. Because everything that God gave us for that which is good, or wholesome, or bountiful, or renewing life, really, Satan counterfeits it, and he turns it to that which is wicked, deceptive, painful, and ultimately, ultimately death. So when I find myself confused about something, I'll, I'll look at that, I'll, I'll try to, to place it in that model of the idea that Satan is noted throughout the Bible as the master uh, counterfeiter. Would you care to comment on that, Pastor Casper? The, the reason he's called the great de- deceiver is because he's absolutely great at deception. Uh, but I, I have good news for everyone. Matthew 24, 22 says, Except those days should be shortened, there be no flesh saved. But for the elect's sake, hallelujah, those days should be shortened. So, you know, yeah, there's, there's stuff going on. Um, the enemy is, is advancing. Um, as we, we started, you know, talking about earlier with the, the transhumanists and gene splicing and Artificial intelligence and you know the, the shadow government, the one world governments emerging. Right, we're seeing the the Pope calling uh, for a one world government. I mean, over and over again when he he gets up to talk. Um, so something very strange is going on with it. Um, we, we we've got stories, and you've done these stories. You've you've talked about you know abductions and UFOs and hybrids being reported. 
counterfeit people. Again, I think we're looking at the wheat and test parable. Um, so I, I, I think this is really, again, so important that we understand the, the times we're in. Um, I, I flew into Denver Airport. I'm going, what in the world is going on with this? What a strange place with, you know, the, the artwork depicting demonic stuff. But, I mean, it's just plain. We've got, if you know what you're looking for, I mean, all through Europe and in England over here, the, um, you know, the, the, the guys that serve the, the kingdom of darkness have been, you know, they love the symbolism. They've been putting it all over the place. But um, we've got to remember that even if things go quite pear-shaped, um, that's um, what we say over here, things are going terribly wrong. Um, again, you know, we, we, the Lord warned us, uh, uh, forewarned us, as, as in the days of Noah, right? And that's what we're seeing played out here right now. Um, so it's an incredible time to be here for such a time as this. Um, we, we, we need to be aware of, again, you know, the church doesn't want to talk about these things, right? Because they think the church wants to be relevant, but it won't talk about what's really relevant today. Um, the whole Nephilim agenda, um, all that stuff coming back, the hybrids and all. Um, got, you know, 3D bioprinting. I, I, I've shared this kind of stuff with my church week after week. There's um, a, 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 a company in, in um, I think it's Rochester, New York, that they're actually printing, uh, 3D printing living parts, right? So you need a new lung, a new heart, a finger, well, they're, they're printing them out for you. Um, this is a reality today. Um, we think back of um, when um, the founding fathers of plastic surgery in World War One, you know, doing skin grafts, and then six, 1967 he starts replacing um, hearts and livers and transplants. I mean, and now we're looking at you know super soldiers, um, things that are going on. I, I, I actually think I, um, there's going to come a time with the, the whole transhumanist thing where you know, they're going to achieve immortality without God. Because it tells us in places like Revelation 9, in those days men will seek death, not find it, they shall desire to die, death shall flee from them, right? So those things are very possible um, right now. But again, it, we look at the Word of God and what He encourages us with. You know, He says, um, Romans 8, um, 38, I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things that come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is Christ Jesus our Lord. So be encouraged. Um, what an exciting time to be here for such a time as this. We, we had the, um, you know, the Magi, they knew to look for baby Jesus, right? The Messiah's going to be born. We're all looking, even the secular people know something's up, right? Something's happening here. Um, knowledge is coming out like a fire hose. I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but um, like last year, they, there was a monkey that was um, suffered a spinal injury. He was, he was paralyzed from the waist down. They were able to put in um, brain implants that caused the monkey to immediately regain all movement. Um, so this yeah. is what's coming. They're going to they're gonna, this stuff to. They're going to uh, try to. We we talked about this. Uh, they're going to try to transplant uh, a human head on a new body or on a a body for a yeah. person who's a paraplegic in an attempt to uh, so they can you know live as normal again that is not going to end well um I, I don't see how that is even possible but you said that it was su- uh, successful on monkeys it, yeah it, it it was successful on um 
they, they've got experiments where they're putting implants. This is really weird, right? So they got implants in, in rodents, and they teach the rodent really complex maneuvers to get, you know, the food reward. Then they take the brain chip and, and they, they put it through the internet. And like, so you have a, maybe a rat in New York, and you send it to a rat in, uh, you know, California somewhere. And then the rat that receives that information instantly knows all the maneuvers. That's incredible. That's, you know, they're able to um, transfer memory knowledge now, right? So that means, um, you know, you can come to me and I can transfer my um, years of uh, being an equestrian so you can get on a horse the first time and ride like, you know, you've been riding all your life, right? Um, if you're an airline pilot, you know, somebody can transfer that information and all of us three can take off in a, you know, jet airline and fly it like we've been flying all our life. So it's incredible what's coming down. Um, I, this is an amazing time to, to watch this unfolding the way it is. And, you know, in fact, um, i give you a scripture. Um, in, in Luke 12, it tells us about, you know, blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he comes, shall find watching. Verily say to you, you know, he shall good himself and he'll sit down and we'll have a great meal together, you know. But if, if you didn't watch, I'm just paraphrasing, you know, just the, you can, the household's going to suffer, right? Like be, being broken into. Remember, like a thief in the night comes. So the Lord's telling us, you know, be prepared. He's coming in an hour when you don't think. Um, but I, I think we should know this this season. He says, you know, don't be hypocrites. You can tell the, the face of the sky, you know, it's going to rain or not, the storm coming. How much more should we discern the time we're in? So I just encourage people, you know, if, if, if there's something in you that um, you're realizing isn't isn't right with God, now's a good time to get with the Lord. And, and, and again, that's that, that repentance thing. Repentance isn't being taught in church. Right, a true repentance, as you were talking about earlier, um, that that you 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 grieve the the, the the sinful things that you've done, and and then you accept God's forgiveness, and and so amazing. It's like if I give you a glass of water and I go um, and I go throw that glass of water in the ocean. Okay, now go and get that same glass of water back. You can't do it, right? The Lord says He set He throws your sins in a, in a sea of forgetfulness, so it's like it never happened. He covers you with His mercy, grace, and love, right? So, I just encourage people. You know, when a person who's honestly mistaken hears the truth through you know proper biblical lens, they're either going to quit being mistaken or they cease to be honest. Either one. So <laughs> we we sh- we got a lot of doom and gloom result there. But you know, let, where's the balance? As you said earlier, um, there's a great harvest coming and a great falling away. They're happening simultaneously. So, yeah, and there's only. I mean, we we have to. Uh, pick a side. There's only two sides in this battle. And, you know, we have to choose one. Uh, because if, just by the fact of, of not choosing one, you are already choosing, uh, which side you're, you're gonna be on. Uh, Pastor, we have about, six, seven minutes left. Anything that we didn't cover? Anything that, uh, you wanna talk about that, uh, we didn't get a chance to get into yet? Um, I guess, you know, just kind of, um, encourage people to just, get right with the Lord and you know he says I go and prepare a place for you and where I go I'm going to come again and receive you myself so you can be what I am um, you know Titus 2.13 says that looking for that blessed hope the glorious appearing of the great God and Savior Jesus Christ so um, I think this is what we need to be looking for and uh, we are at that time in, in history um, watch therefore and pray always that you be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass stand before the Son of Man how are we going to be worthy 
I mean, none of us can do this unless we, you know, humble ourselves and submit to the Lord. Uh, Jesus, he said, if anybody would call on his name, the Lord would save him. So I just encourage people, call on his name and receive him and trust God to do miracles in your life. Um, I, I can't tell you how many times I've seen the Lord do uh, miraculous stuff that just confounds the, the medical community. So, this is the thing. <laughs> just um, trusting the Lord for every detail and, and uh, yeah. I feel like we just sort of scratched the surface. We could think that if we had more time. But, well, we, um, we still got about five minutes left. I want to ask you uh, about this. What we're seeing in the the Middle East and what we're seeing with uh, uh, Bible prophecy. We uh, since we the last time you came on, we saw the 70th anniversary of Israel, and on that 70th anniversary, we had President Trump recognize uh, Jerusalem as the capital, moving the embassy to Jerusalem. Do you think that this is, uh, you know, an indicator of uh, the times that we live in? And, uh, you know, what other prophecies it, from the Psalm uh, 83 war to what it says in Ezekiel 38 about these conflicts and, and battles? Uh, what do you see as far as the Middle East is concerned uh, with, with Israel and, and these Arab nations? Or do you think we're going to see some kind of, of peace well, agreement under this president? It's it's possible that could happen. I I, I do think um, the Lord put him in there. You can imagine what would have happened if the other person had won, where we'd be right now. Well, actually, let's not imagine that. It's probably toxic. But um, um, yeah, I I don't I don't think this is going to go any other way except with the way the Lord said it's going to go. And so there there is war coming to the the Middle East. It's it's inevitable. And then on top of that, you got the whole sin thing unfolding. You know, with uh, um, over the um, ancient burial site of the temple of um, Apollyon, um opening up dimensional portals and again keep in mind we're wrestling not against flesh and blood we still need to occupy we still need to, to fight back to keep pushing back um, I actually did a song about that recently on the new album Revelation Rocker about pushing back um, that's our job we're supposed to push back the darkness and, and bring in the light and so um, I, I just applaud what you guys are doing. I, I'm a huge fan of what you've been doing over the years and love the research you do. And um, I, 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 I just encourage people again, you know, just um, call on the name of the Lord. And no matter what happens in the Middle East, um, it's, it, things are going to go the way that the Lord said. I mean, the prophecy is going to be fulfilled. So there is going to be that kind of war. Um, and we're watching that unfolding now. Yes, we are, and we've and we've got a choice. And I've I actually have taken a, a lot of notes here uh, this evening, Pastor Casper. But we need to. I want to make sure I got this verbatim. We need we we are we either quit being mistaken or cease being honest. Did I get that right? Right. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So let's do this. We've only got like <laughs> we've got like two minutes left or something like that. You've been playing rock and roll. You've been playing music to the glory of God for a long, long time. Tell us, give us a little heads up, what's going on in, the, in your, you've talked about uh, uh, your equestrian pursuits a little bit tonight, but what's going on in your music career? Have you been uh, in the studio? Have you been uh, gigging? What's going on? I I have been. I, I actually just played with an old friend, um, Rick Derringer. We, we did a, a church together in New Jersey, and while it's up there, I've um, been co-writing songs with my friend, the legendary Tommy James and the Shondells. 
um, both these guys are, you know, really solid Christians. And um, it's amazing to me the Lord would bring me back into secular music on any aspect. But here I am working with them and praising the Lord together, praying together. Um, I've got a new album out called Revelation Rocket. It just came out a few weeks back and getting an amazing response from it. But again, it's just kind of like, you know, um, the remnant. It's not It's not like I expect to hear it on Christian radio, which is all homogenized for the most part. Um this, but the people are, you know, going, wow, this is really wonderful. And I'm just kind of recapturing um, the musicianship that I think we should have at this level. We should be able to be creative and, and, and try different things and experiment just the way um, artists have done over the centuries. So that's what I'm at at the moment, right? Well, that's uh, that's awesome. And again, folks, go to CasperMcCloudMusic.com. And you can follow Pastor Casper at Pastor Casper on Twitter. Pastor, it's been great to, to talk with you and to have you back on the show. Thanks for, for joining us tonight, and we look forward to having you back on in the future. I look forward to getting back with you. God bless you both. God bless you too. All right. we uh, that, was, that was a great show, some great interviews uh, as we are closing up this Wednesday, uh, June 6th edition. And again, uh, if you want to go to the Red Pill Expo, go to HagmanReport.com, check the latest curated and other original news that is there. And, uh, John, what do we got lined up for tomorrow? I know you got a, we got oh, another big show tomorrow. Yeah, we've got a great show lined up for tomorrow. We're going to, uh, Keith Hansen's going to join us early tomorrow night. Uh, Keith Hansen from the Keith Hansen Show, WNTK up in New Hampshire. We've got a full hour with Josh Peck. Joe, we haven't had Josh Peck on in a long yeah. time. Uh, and he, uh, sent me, I, I I'm not at, I'm not privileged to say what we're going to talk about, but I did receive the talking points today. It's going to be a great show. And I just want to uh, encourage our, our listeners and our viewers, do, do us a favor. Uh, share this show around tonight on your social media. Uh, make, make this one fly because uh, tonight was a good show. We covered a lot of ground. I, I think, Joe, if I dare say so myself, I think there was something in tonight's show for everyone. You know, we talked about pre- preparation. We talked about news and politics with Alicia. Pastor Casper brought the the sort of spiritual context that he always does and we kicked off the show with with Gon Shimura one of the you know he's a YouTuber extraordinaire mm-hmm. yeah and, and again his, his YouTube channel face like the sun is something I've uh, I've had on um, in the background when I'm you know doing stuff around my house or uh, working on the website and it is a lot of great information there and um, check that out if you haven't seen uh, some of the stuff I don't think anybody will be disappointed again um there, this whole Tucson, Arizona situation is very interesting, and I'm sure we're going to be talking about this more tomorrow, probably both on the Daily Show and on uh, our new segment tomorrow, because there's some, uh, Alicia Powell did some great reporting, and there continues to be new information on the, you know, who owns the land, who's connected to the company that owns the land, and who is the mayor of Tucson, Arizona. All of that is related and uh, I might publish this article that I'm reading so you folks can see all this uh, connected information. But that'll do it for us tonight. Thank you for everybody for joining us, including the guests. We will be back tomorrow. Have a great night.